ride to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since Everybody, welcome to another episode of the GGTMC. And like Lady Gaga, I'm naked except for a hat, so we are good to go this morning. <laughs> well, I'm naked except for some heavy makeup on my face. There we go. <laughs> so we're opening and getting going pretty good this morning. <laughs> All right, before we go any further and talk about what we've been watching and what we're covering and whatnot, let me just mention now that we had some uh, technical issues during the feedback section this time. Which last week is kind of funny. We managed to get the feedback and nothing else this week. The feedback might be the issue, so uh, if you guys hear some dodginess in the feedback section, just go along with it. We're not professionals here. We're just having fun. Uh, can, you can either laugh at it. I'll try to edit it out as much as I can, but I'm pretty sure some of it will stick around. So you'll hear some Skype calling and some whatnot. Uh, there's uh, wild beavers in Canada, evidently. Uh, actually, <laughs> Wild, angry beavers. Yeah, well, Actually, wild beavers is not that bad a thing if you're from the 70s. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, back on point. Uh, this week we are covering uh, Command Performance. Directed and uh, co-written by Dolph Lundgren. And uh, Deadlock, written, uh, directed by Rolling Click. And uh, I can't remember what year that's from. 19... 1970. Clickety-click, Barbatrix. Yeah, 1970. So, uh, And the other one is recent, very recent. It's actually a new release. So, uh, Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so that is what we are covering. Um let me mention in the beginning as well that nobody bit on the contest song at the end of last week's episode, so please do that again. Listen closely and uh, send in your thoughts on what it might be. Um, okay, so what have you been up to, Large William? I've been up, I've, well, I'll tell you what I haven't been up to, and that's recording an episode last week. So <laughs> yes. first things first, we tried, we tried, we tried, it just wasn't going to happen. Two people need to be thanked heartily uh, with a firm handshake and a... Uh, and a drink in hand, uh, Miles, for covering for me last week. And you guys getting together and doing a wonderful show. Uh, between that and the Ballast bonus episode, it was like you had uh, full GGTMC yeah. content, two reviews, lots of feedback. Um, so thank you for that, Miles, as always. You're a gentleman. And speaking of gentlemen and southern gentlemen, uh, the loaf himself, as I mentioned last time, he really worked hard to get my computer back up and running because it was wasn't working, so um, I, I do think he really needs to be thanked. He spent far more time trying to fix my computer than I would try to fix, spend trying to fix my computer. So, um, <laughs> Loaf, thank you truly and sincerely. I have this image of him looking through windows for dummies with a luchador mask on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's good, man. He, he was <laughs> just throwing me all sorts of stuff because the only thing that, that eventually was working was Skype, so he was sending me... All this stuff that all this uh, software that I could install and do manual installs of, of updates and you know walking me through stuff. So you know he he's why we're doing the show this week. Nice, we thank you, Mister Loaf. All right, so you've been uh, I know you've been watching some stuff. So you want to share with the listeners what you've been watching? Yeah, the list is built up a little bit, but thankfully, nice, um, nice, not too too much. I'll try and zip through this. Um, I watched uh, two films that, oddly enough, I think a few weeks ago, um, Rupert asked us 
what films didn't equal the sum of their parts. And I watched two this week. And let me throw this one at you. If I told you I watched a black exploitation film directed by Larry Cohen, starring Ron O'Neill, Jim Brown, Fred the Hammer Williamson, uh, Pam Gurr, um, uh, but, but, but what's his name? Um, oh God, a Vice Vice Squad, uh, Wings Hauser, <laughs> good old Wings, and there's one more person I'm forgetting. It's uh, oh Paul. Oh geez, I'm drawing a blank. If I told you a Larry Cohen black exploitation film with those people in it, uh, I watched. What would your thoughts be? Good, right? Uh, if it was from the seventies, yes. <laughs> yes, well, unfortunately, this was from the mid-90s. Yes. <laughs> um, it's called Original Gangsters. Uh, you know, it had some decent stuff with sort of the generational gap. And, mm-hmm. you know, Fred the Hammer comes home because his, his father's been shot. And, you know, it's got some good stuff in it. But on the whole, it's it's a very mediocre effort. It's all, um, it, The coolest thing about it is just seeing all those people on the screen. That's that, that, I've always thought that. The film's kind of uh, actually kind of a lame duck a little bit. It's also got Richard Roundtree in it, I meant to mention. Yes, Shaft and, and Robert Forster and Charles Napier. Yeah, it's like the whole Larry Cohen, uh, the whole Larry Cohen troop is in there. Yeah, it's got such an awesome cast. Oh, yeah, like you said, if this had been in the seventies, it would have been the film. <laughs> yeah, what it would have been, it would have been like the, uh, I don't know, like the amazing cast of Around the World in Eighty Days or some shit. Yeah, like the Dirty <laughs> Dozen sort of black exploitation style. Could have been amazing. Yeah, it would have been cool. But that was that. The other film I watched that didn't quite add up to what I felt you know, it should have been, um, it was one I'd never seen. I had sort of seen the, the cover for and I was aware of. It was a film from 1982 directed by Tony Richardson. But the trinity of male leads in this film is what sold me. Jack Nicholson, Harvey Keitel, and War Notes. Mm-hmm. About uh, border agents on the Texas-Mexico border and corruption and this and that. Um, and avi- I thought this av- a- aviators and aviators <laughs> and written by the writers of uh, Wild Bunch and uh, and um, the Deer Hunter. Yes. So, you know, you'd think that would add up to just one awesome piece of macho cinema. Not so much. It's serviceable at best. Um, but hey, that's just the way it goes. Um, I haven't watched that in years. It seems like I remember it being pretty slow. Yeah, very slow. Uh, very slow. Well, that's okay. But no, it was okay. Just I was a little disappointed. I watched The Goods, um, which was a little bit better than I thought it would be. Okay. I hated some parts of it. I laughed at some parts. So right. I guess since I laughed at some parts, it's better than thinking I was going to hate all of it. Uh, what else did I watch? I rewatched Electric Guide in Blue because it was on TCM Underground. Uh, so they had a nice widescreen uh, cut of it. I haven't nice. seen it in a long, long time. Nice. Uh, that holds up uh, absolutely, like mm-hmm. I told you. And it will be on the next roadmap for us. Yes. Uh, I watched Jennifer's Body, which was very, very, very disappointing. Not, no, no, actually scratch that. It was very bland and mediocre. Okay. The try-hardness of Diablo Cody's dialogue really came through here. Okay. Um, few more films very quickly. I watched Double Indemnity for the first time because I'm trying to live up to my, um, what's it called? Uh, wow, I'm just I'm just falling apart at the seams here. Uh, my New Year's proposition. Yes. Yes, you made a resolution at the beginning of the year to resolution. watch some classics. Yes. And uh, on that list, there were several important films I had never seen, shamefully. Dumb, Double Indemnity being one of them. Fantastic film. A fantastic turn by Edward G. Robinson. Uh, Casablanca, great, great, great film. Um, yep. I really enjoyed it. Um, it just—it was so weird seeing this 
this piece of cinema that was so iconic and just loomed so large over the rest of cinema and to see it sort of living and breathing finally. Yeah. Um, Rio Bravo, which uh, again, fun, fun, fun film. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I like everyone in it. Dean Martin, Dean Martin, uh, Ricky Nelson, of course, Angie Dickinson, uh, and the Duke himself. There was a couple scenes that were sort of pretty hammy emotionally. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, one, <laughs> one with Dino and then one with Angie Dickinson. But other than that, it's a, it's a pretty good little film. Well, that one with Dino, I know that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not very good. It's just kind of ridiculous, but that's okay, I guess. Uh, I watched the like, half. Oh, hang on. I was I was waiting for him to start at that moment. I was waiting for him to say, "Ain't that a hole in the boat?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. But no, I mean, he was pretty good. Other than that, though, you know, yeah. it, it was a good film, man. Really fun. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. <laughs> Oh, no, no. Hey, by all means, that's okay. No, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, eight and a half, which I finally finished yesterday. Uh, nice, again, nice. masterpiece of film. Uh, so far ahead of its time, technically, thematically. Um, wow. Uh, just a fantastic film. And then I closed off my night with a French musical that was made for TV, uh, written by Serge Gainsbourg, starring Anna Karina. And it's called Anna. And it sort of has that blowout late 60s kind of LSD kind of aesthetic um good but i just don't think at one in the morning last night i was in the mood for a french musical so <laughs> yeah that's what i've been watching well, yeah i've been watching i haven't been watching as much as you uh i always get excited though when somebody goes back and watches the classics so i'm kind of living through you a little bit there um i but i have i must say that i haven't watched as much quantity wise but quality wise i've been on a bit of a tear here so uh i saw black and mike which uh, was a lot better than I thought it would be. Uh, very funny. Very good. It knows what it is. It knows the jokes. Uh, it's a very good homage to the black exploitation era. And uh, Michael J. White, it's about time he did something with his career other than uh, grimace and, uh, you know, look like he's got to take a dump all the time. So he's, Yeah. He's actually very entertaining and very charismatic in this movie. So very good. Uh, and the ladies in this movie are hot. So... I can't wait to see it. I'm going to watch it once I get through some of these classics. Nice. I watched uh, Moon. Oh, uh, nice. I've got that on my uh, docket. I I like the movie. Uh, It's one of those movies that uh, the performance is, I think the performance by Rockwell is better than the film itself, but I still liked it quite a bit. I don't know if it'd be in my top 10 of the year or not, but uh, it it was really good. And it goes some places that you kind of don't expect, so I don't want to give away too much on here. So, Um, I watched House of the Devil. Watch that. Oh, nice. This one I really fucking liked. I liked it a whole fucking lot. So uh, this one might come up again at some point in time because this one uh, this one really hit on a lot of the things that I love. And I was really, uh, really, really impressed with this thing. And you know me. I'm not a big uh, devil, uh, you know, religious, icon, you know, that kind of stuff. Occult. Yeah, I'm not really into that kind of stuff that much. But this one uh, I really enjoyed because uh, it's about that but kind of not about that. So kind of weird, but really, really fucking good. We'll uh, have to talk about that film off the air. Yes, we will. Uh, and I watched Public Enemies, the Michael Mann film. Uh, and surprisingly, uh, I went into this with no expectations whatsoever because I'd hated the trailer. Well, I didn't hate it, but I just thought the trailer was kind of bland and whatnot. But man, I really fucking like this damn thing. And uh, I really got into it. It's a long movie. It's two hours and 20 minutes. Uh, but I really, really got into this thing. And the acting is solid all the way through. Great character actors in the film and everything else. But, man, I really, really like this fucking thing. And I, I always think it's great when I go into something and think, ah, oh, this is just going to be pretty rote and pretty bland and pretty normal. 
uh, nothing to you know, nothing to talk about after I watch it. Just be like, oh yeah, I saw it. But uh, no, I really like this thing a lot, and uh, I was really surprised at how much I did like it. So uh, I was pretty happy about that because I thought I wasn't going to like it very much at all. <laughs> uh, Johnny Depp is fucking out, fucking standing in this movie, and uh, Christian Bale's good, but Johnny Depp, man, guy, he is fucking good in this thing. So it's what it is. I guess I shouldn't have doubted the depth. And the fact that I am a Michael Mann fan, I guess I shouldn't have doubted, I just guess I shouldn't have doubted the man. Uh that sounds like something out of Black Dynamite actually, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was a pretty it was a pretty good week. Uh it was all quality. That's just four films and all of them uh, I liked a lot. So that's kind of a rarity. You know, most of them usually when you watch a bunch of movies you can have a couple of stinkers in there, but I didn't have any this week. It's no, that is just sounds like a very rock solid bunch of films, so well, you know, I'm trying to cram for our year-end list with OTC, and then we got our own personal year-end list we do in February. So, you know, we're all trying to cram, like <laughs> like we're studying for finals, which I'm also trying to do this week. And uh, so it's pretty crazy. All right. So that is everything I watched. And uh, I guess that's it. I guess we'll uh, go to break and come back and do some film reviewing. Sound good? Sounds marvelous. All right. So we'll be back right after this. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Choose from Chainsaw Dismemberment, Nightmare 8, da da da. Satisfy your sickest fantasy. It's a trick. Get a nice. Hi, I'm Jackie. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Since 2007, visit us at destroythebrainonline.com. Don't play it no more. Hopefully, Large William can hear me and I can hear him. I can hear you. It's very fuzzy. And sadly, Jackie Shane uh, was very fuzzy as well. But that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Uh, all right. So uh, I didn't even talk to you about which film we're going to cover first. So we'll just go with what I got up on my screen here. We'll just go ahead and cover Command Performance first. Let's do it. Uh, okay. So Command Performance from 2009, starring one, uh, Dolph Lundgren, uh, co-written with Dolph Lundgren and Steve Latshaw, who directed uh, Steve Latshaw directs a lot of these action movies. Um, and um, the plot synopsis is as such when the Russian premier is taken hostage at a rock concert in Moscow it's up to a drummer an ex-biker to save him so there we go 
All right, that's uh, that's all we got. I think a lot of the uh, the uh, perception was is that he was like ex military, ex CIA. I don't know, but I think he's just an ex biker. So very well trained biker, might I add. Very well trained. <laughs> all right, so uh, I picked this thing. This is something that's kind of been on the GGTMC radar for like a year. So I figure uh, we'll cover it. So we'll see what you thought about it. Okay, yeah, you absolutely are right when you said this has been on our radar. It just looked so ridiculous um, ever since we saw that first teaser, ever since you first posted it, uh, with the now immortal line, dying is easy, rock and roll is hard. (laughs) So uh, that sort of (laughs) let us know what it was we were in for. Um, The thing I like about this film, and I'll keep bringing this up, is the fact there's a lot of splatter... um, in this film, it's one of those action movies that harkens back to a different age of action movies where they're not P- like the new Die Hard, uh, like whether PG or PG thirteen. Um, these are hard. This is a hard R rated action movie. Now it, it sort of you know has its shortcomings, but one of the certainly pluses, say what you will about the special effects used as such, there is splatter in this, and it opens immediately where we see an old woman get shot and then a suicide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, so right away, it's it's going to be a splattery, hard R-rated action film. So that's a good thing. Um, I, one thing that I found very interesting, when we think of action films, especially 80s action films, they're very much an American thing, very much an American subgenre or genre with an American landscape. And it was very fascinating for me to see this sort of 80s action movie take place in Russia with some of the Russian architecture and the Russian landscape. It just, it seemed very bizarre to see, but I really dug that, the sort of the the juxtapositioning of this very American cinematic uh, genre with uh, this Russian uh, architecture. Yeah, I know. You know, the funny thing about Russia is it's very cinematic, and I don't think it's used often enough, the way it looks on the exterior. Some people say it's kind of bland, but I always think it's very cinematic and it looks great, so... I don't know. Yeah. I agree with you, though. It does have a, an 80s action feel, and, uh, you know, it's obvious they got a lot of establishment shots outside in the uh, the cold of Russia because everybody was blowing some smoke out of their mouth there. So it uh, looked pretty good. Uh, we get to see uh, Dolph Lundgren on a, on a chopper riding through Russia. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It definitely was. Um, Lundgren pops on the screen, and, you know, for his age, he certainly looks very good. Um, I mean, he's got to be, what, mid-50s now? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, so he's no spring chicken, yet he still looks pretty good for his age. Um, I love that he was wearing the, and I can hear such a wicked echo of my own voice uh, right now. Um, <laughs> wow. Even my breathing there, my sigh was just echoed. Uh, we see Dolph is wearing this uh, hammer and sickle, the Soviet Union t-shirt. And I have to wonder if that's a nod to uh, Ivan Drago. <laughs> it might be. It might be. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at his age. He is 52 years old. He's he's an older man. I mean, you know, action movies, much like playing running back, is a young man's game. Yeah, and he's really trying to hang on to his youth a little bit in uh, this film, it seems like, because the way he co-wrote it and stuff. So, you know, that the young pop ingenue is uh, into him is a little bit of a stretch there, Dolphy. (laughs) It is a bit of a midlife crisis-y kind of vanity thing that he did by sort of having himself parade around and sort of... uh, uh, Real live bunch from Coney le- brown leather vest. Um, <laughs> got the you know. le- he's got the leather pants on too with his ass crack hanging out. He sticks the drumsticks down the back of his pants. Yeah, he's he's hanging on to some youth there. 
Well, I, I have a note later on that remind me never to take drumsticks if a drummer ever offers them to me after a concert because they're going to smell terrible. Um, especially if they've been on, you know, sort of a world tour. Yeah. It's just uh, dirty Sanchez. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's just awful. Um, speaking of young men, and to take it all the way back to infancy, um, Mr. Lundgren. Uh, I've been around quite a few drummers in my lifetime, been in quite a few bands and stuff. Uh, he's really playing a lot of that stuff. Uh, he doesn't look uh, completely uh, comfortable doing it, but evidently he does play drums in his spare time. So I guess he's probably a mediocre drummer, but shoots himself like a drum god in this film because, you know, he is the director. <laughs> yes, the drummer. It's not, you know, it's odd. You're so used to seeing the lead singer just front and center, but... With this, we get the drummer. And I got to say, the band is so bland and oh generic. And, you know, it's not about the band, but they are just dreadful. Oh, my God. They make Nickelback look like the Beatles. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and that's really saying something. <laughs> the music is so god-awful. <laughs> yeah. It's so, yeah. like, just, uh It sounds like something a 52-year-old band who's directing a movie would think was cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But, hey, again, you know, it's not really about the band, but we got to take them... We're going uh, to use sort of, you know, football terminology. Uh, it's European football. We have to card them for that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, there's a line, and you have to forgive me. I watched the first half of this movie two weeks ago now, but I don't remember any more context than this. But there's a line where someone must utter the line, it's been a long time since the look of love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is out of context, but uh, yeah, it's one of the one of many uh, groan-inducing lines in the film. Uh, Latshaw and Lundgren really went back to like nineteen eighty-five, eighty-four, and and just like pick some greatest hit lines. It seems like that's the look. That's the look. The look of love. That's the look. Uh, oh man, that's the look. These lines and these songs. These I, I don't know who wrote the songs. I don't know if Lundgren wrote the songs. He might have. Hell, I don't know. He's a he's a regular Renaissance man. It seems. Yeah, he is. Uh, I love that the Russian president is called Pushkin. Not it's it's just so close to yeah. uh, Putin. It's it's just kind of funny. But um, one thing I found very interesting in this film is that Joe smokes spliffs. You know, most times in straight up American apple pie action films, the hero would not smoke, uh, would not do drugs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a uh, he's like the anti-hero here. He's uh he's got some issues. Yeah, he definitely does. And and you know, it's funny. It's almost like. He was trying to channel 80s action star meets Jeff Spicoli in a few spots. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I get irritated with the way he, uh, they always ask him his name. And he's always like, Joe. <laughs> yeah. That's all you ever hear. What's your name, sir? Joe. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know. It's not, you know, Joe. It's just Joe. <laughs> it's just Joe. It's just Cher. It's just Liberace. Um, this is a nitpicky thing, which I said I wasn't going to be overly nitpicky about, but and I think it's mentioned in one of our voicemails. I never understand a lot of times why people use CGI over squibs. I can't see, and I could be wrong. If someone works in the industry, let me know. Um, I can't see squibs being that much more expensive than CGI. You would think so. You would think at this point in time. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. When it comes to headshots and stuff, uh, I think it's because squibs can be a little dangerous around the head and eyes. But body-wise, I never, I never can understand why anybody would use a squib over the other thing. Only thing I can think is, is that they've come up with some kind of software in the CG world that makes it really cheap and really quick and really efficient to put blood spatter on a body or on a wall or something. Because I don't understand why they would go with that either. It just seems to me like practical effects always work better 
With practical effects, you just get the chunkiness of it. That goes all the way back to the Wild Bunch. So I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why they would uh, use that. Uh, this one, not this CG blood didn't get on my nerves as badly as some, but uh, there was a, there was a couple moments that were a little rough. Yeah, a couple of spots it looked half decent. A couple of spots it it really exposed itself. But now, uh, with that being said, I can understand using CGI to blow up buildings because yes, let's yes. face it, if you're on a budget and you want to do something semi-spectacular, you know, a CGI explosion is probably the way to go. Mm-hmm. That makes sense from a cost or budgetary uh, constraint sort of standpoint. But the blood, like you said, if it's a safety issue, maybe that's one thing. Um, maybe their insurance. This maybe that's what it is. Maybe. Using the squibs around the faces increases their insurance. I, I don't know. Who knows? But I, just I, I wish that we could use more more actual practical effects, which all of us are a big fan of. Yes. Um, the villain, as much as he's sort of by the numbers, I like that he is an old school villain. He's not afraid to punch a, t- a teen starlet in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh, the villains all wear the black jumpsuits and whatnot. Yes, the teen starlet. You know, let, me, let me add in my notes. I'm going to go ahead and say this now. This concert, you got to have the most diver- diverse group of fans ever because they cover all genres of music. In this, uh, there's a, a pop goddess. There's a. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Now I heard pop goddess. <laughs> okay. There's a pop goddess. There's a. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be a ton of times in this podcast where you. I've lost you. Uh, can you hear me? Uh, it seems like mm-hmm. every other every other time. I, there's no way I'll be able to edit all these out. There's just no way. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I've kind of lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, there's like these uh, Creed-like metal bands. There's, there's. Anyway, the the way the crowd reacts just does isn't believable to me because music fans are a bit snobby, just like movie fans. And uh, there's no way they would react to this many different genres of music and be happy. No, there's no way. Um, <laughs> but hey, I mean, again, you know, I'll be willing to overlook the fact that CMF and and the Teen Queen could perform together on stage i mean the only way it would work is if they were sort of intentionally packaging it as father it it was like a a holiday in russia where it was take your daughter to concert day you know where you you got to like see the band you liked when you were 25 and your daughter got to see her little sort of musketeer pop idol perform yes so yeah and again i apologize if i'm speaking over you i can't hear you half the time so i'm sort of going (laughs) blind here (laughs) Um, I mentioned Coley, and this is never more evident when uh, CMF, and again, that's the band, uh, Joe's Band, which stands for Cheap Motherfuckers, or Cheap Motherfucker, um, when one of the CMF fans is injured and uh, uh, Joe has to leave him sort of tucked away somewhere and he says, listen to some tunes and relax, and does like the little hang loose symbol. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like I kept expecting him to take off his, uh, his, his, uh, his van's shoe and hit himself in the forehead with it. <laughs> Dolph, Dolph has some really bad lines in the movie, man. He really does. Uh, I mean, it's part of the charm of the movie. If the movie has any charm, it's part of it. You know, the watch the hair dude and and while listening to Dolph say these Americanized lines that were in they were in like in style like in 1984 again, like I said, but not so much now. You would think that. Uh, I guess it must be that European sensibility that me and Miles talked about last week uh, that. You know, some of these European guys, they just seem to, they seem to stuck about 20 years, of, 20 years in the past, it seems. Yeah, and you know, sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. Now I'm hearing footsteps, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, that certainly is part of it. And listen, Lundgren's a smart man. I think he's, 
he's ran for for office uh, over in Denmark or, or somewhere, Sweden maybe because he's I think he's Swedish. Um, so he's not an idiot. Um, I just think maybe he was trying to harken back to the '80s sort of cheesy lines. Who knows? But um, there's some funny ones uh, in the film, and you know, even as I watch the film, I can't help but thinking how European he looks. You know, some people like like. Um, Van Damme and, and a few other guys and a few other actors, they can pass for American. But Lundgren just, he looks so European that it's very hard to imagine him as, as American. I agree. I agree completely. Um, it's going to be interesting when I finally hear this episode because I'll get to hear some of the <laughs> responses you're saying to things I'm saying. Nice. I hear sort of half of it. Um, one of the generals in the army looked like Fred Willard. I thought that was kind of amusing. Uh, yes, the army, the army, the casting of the army was, uh, pretty bad. I don't know. None of these people look like they were actually in the military. No. And they, they were probably the weakest, uh, thing in the film. And uh, to be honest, I mean, they're, they're there for exposition a little bit to explain some things and whatnot, but I, I felt like they were fat that could have been trimmed. Yes, I agree. You know, sort of like that mobile unit where they're all sort of sitting there and, you know, we don't really need to see them, uh, quite honestly, if, if, you know, the villain um, just were sort of spout what he wants to the camera and we know that it's being projected to the masses. That would have been sufficient enough instead of, you know, oh, he's from here and there. And, you know, there's ways to get around that. But, you know, again, maybe I'm being overly nitpicky here. Um, I do have to say, though, that as he's talking about the villain, of course, talking about the ransom, you know, I couldn't help but sort of let my mind drift to the fact that if – someone like this had sort of the Russian president and a U.S. pop princess held hostage, um, it would make for pretty spectacular news. Like if, you know, Britney Spears in her prime and, you know, uh, Putin or whoever was in office at the time uh, were held hostage and on the verge of, of getting executed, it would have made a pretty, you know, <laughs> sensational story to say the least, though. Yeah, you would think. You would think. Uh, anytime it seems like an entertainer's in peril, it's big news, but... Uh yeah, I don't know the the way some of the reaction. I mean, this is very much this is very much an insular story. It's very much a Die Hard film. I mean, that's what it is. Let's be honest. Yes, I couldn't help but think Die Hard as well. And I have to say, I'm going to catch some some shit for this. I'm not a big fan of the Die Hard movies, to be honest with you. They're yeah. okay, but yeah, I know I you're think not. They're, sorry. Yeah, I know you're. I, I think you've mentioned that before. I think you mentioned that you don't really care for them. Yeah, they're okay. I, I just I have a very love hate with Willis. I think. Um, I'm sure some people are going to say, oh, diehard rules, but that's fine. Listen, teach their own. But this this does have a very diehardy kind of feel to it. Yes. Um, I love Joe's line. Uh, I can't remember who he's talking to now. Someone says about him rehearsing, and he says, we don't rehearse. We just play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And then foolishly, um, some of the villains are sort of talking about this this – curveball that's been thrown at them by way of drummer joe and one of them foolishly says oh one man can't make any difference and i think have you not seen an 80s action movie my friend one man <laughs> makes all the difference yes that is 80s action in a in a nutshell <laughs> and in fact lundgren even has a movie called one man army so <laughs> yeah, well there you go do some homework before you make a sweeping statement like that my friend Joe's sidekick, who's the, sort of the Russian uh, Secret Service agent, I, I didn't like him at all. I thought he had no charisma. Um, it's it's nice to see sort of the the sort of rigid company man, suit wearing uh, good guy paired up with sort of our loosey goosey kind of hippie hero. But it works sometimes, and 
you know, you look at something like Breakheart Pass again, when uh, Ed Lauder finally teamed up with, with Bronson, it was kind of a pump the fist, yeah, kind of moment. But with this, it just, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't really like the, the sidekick. I thought he had no charisma. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's, he kind of blends in with every other character in the movie, so I can even, I can hardly remember his face. So he's very, very, very bland. Um, there is a fantastic, um, getting back to the splatter, a fantastic knife through the top of the head moment for one of the villains. Yes. <laughs> yes. That goes along with the drumstick through the bottom of the neck, through the eye. Others. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, I got to say the youngest, the, the daughter, the youngest daughter of the Russian president looked like Stephanie Tanner to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that one. I didn't expect that uh, comparison, but yeah, you're right. I just expect, I kept waiting for her whenever people are getting shot, her to go, how rude. <laughs> Nice. But, <laughs> um, I love when we finally get to hear Dolph utter the line to the team pop queen. She says something like, uh, oh, what am I going to do if, if they come in? And he goes, just shoot them until they fall down. <laughs> and uh, and they're the going back and forth. And then he goes, remember, dying's easy. Rock and roll is hard. And no matter how many times I'd heard it, when I actually heard him utter it in the movie, I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it almost feels like the movie was made because somebody said that line or something. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those uh, concepts. It's like, oh, yeah, that, that line's really cool. Let's come up with a movie around that line. And it's like him and Steve Lightshaw got together and wrote a wrote a very basic, low-budget action movie with, the, you know, a diehard plot, basically, around that one line, which I think is fine. I think it works just fine. I mean, the line is cheesy. We know that. But I think it sells the movie on what it is. Yes. Mo Hero Dive? <laughs> yes. You got to have those. <laughs> You certainly do, sort of gun in hand, firing it. So <laughs> that was good. Um, probably the most groan-inducing line for me in the film was when um, he's with the president of Russia, or the premier, and he says, you okay, dude? Uh, I mean, sir. <laughs> it's it's such a terrible moment. It's like I expected them to cut to like a dog covering his eyes and hear a record player scratch. <laughs> It is true. The, toward the back end, the lines get worse, it seems. Uh, there's, this, there's a line he says toward the very end of the film that I don't want to repeat here because it might give away some plot details, but it's just atrocious. It's so bad. Yeah, yeah, it does get pretty <laughs> pretty wild. Um, we get a boil, boiler room fist fight, and I expected an S&M man to come in and go, Hey, John, where's John? <laughs> You like that, John? I think that uh, I think that uh, yeah, that he brings out the boiler room, tells you everything you need to know about this movie. Yes, yes, <laughs> precisely. Um, I'll say this, and once you see the film, you'll know what I mean. Rock and load, watch for the win. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah, very impressive. Um, the end scene, as the credits are going, we get CMF playing and. Call me old-fashioned, but my rock groups don't have a tambourine or front and center. <laughs> yeah, yeah not, not that kind of rock group. I don't, I don't know what kind of rock group that's supposed to be. Again, European sensibilities, uh, they see, he seems to be lost in a decade that's long past. Uh, I, don't know what, I don't know what that is, so whatever. <laughs> Before I forget, my wife says Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you. Merry Christmas to her as well. I'm trying to figure out what to cut, talk about that you haven't talked about because you've talked about pretty much everything I have. Uh, I wrote down there's a lot of smirkery, which is a new word that I created uh, when Dolph's playing the drums. There's a lot of this, like smirkness to his face that really drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah, like a grimace or like a... Yeah. MJ had the tongue sticking out. Dolph has the smirk. Yes. 
Now, this film was uh, partially produced by Bose Davison. Now, Bose Davison directed one of my favorite films from the 80s, The Last American Virgin. He actually wrote and directed that thing. But he's been known now to kind of be a director of these kind of straight-to-video um, action movies and whatnot. And he's produced a lot of shit, it seems like, over the last few years. So it looks like he's got away from directing and pretty much moved into producing only, which, you know, can be, I guess, lucrative if you, you know, he's selling these movies on the world market or whatnot. Um, the violence is pretty graphic. Uh, unfortunately, it does rely a little bit too much on CGI blood, which kind of sucks in some ways. I wish they would have used the other, but and it also is it's kind of weird because uh, Lundgren's character Joe has this uh, kind of natural ability to kill people in like Freddy Friday the Thirteenth type ways. Uh, yes, <laughs> and to say the least, you know, you put a hockey mask on this guy and you'd have had a totally different film, but you wouldn't have had to change much. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's very strange. I mean, uh, it's good. Uh, I think I told you when I watched it originally, I think I said that I liked it, but I didn't love it as much as I wanted to. Because, you know, from the trailer, you want to love this thing because it just looks like total cheese. Mm-hmm. And, and you want to love the movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I don't think it's as bad as some people think it is. I think, you know, if you know it's a B-action movie. Uh, and if you've seen any other any other Lundgren movies, I think you'd know what you're getting into. Uh, I've watched a few of his action films. They're all pretty standard. Nothing spectacular. Nothing really jumps out at you. Uh, kind of like Van Damme's catalog. I mean, they're very similar in a lot of ways. They make a lot of these low-budget action movies because, you know, they're movie stars, but they're just never going to be the type of movie star that your Stallones and Pacinos and all these guys are going to be. They're just never going to be that big. Uh, and, of course, you know, Lundgren is a pop icon for being Ivan Drago. He'll always be, in some people's eyes, Ivan Drago. He'll always be that character, you know? So it's it's kind of un- it's kind of unfortunate that that's what he's always going to be, but uh, yeah, there is some uh, some atrocious dialogue. Again, watch the hair dude is the one that drives me nuts. Just, oh yes, <laughs> it just drives me crazy, and possibly the last line of the movie. I don't I don't want to talk about it on the air, but it's like oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's a perfectly serviceable time waster. I think it's the best way to put it. I, I know it sounds like we're being we might be sounding like we're being a little light on it. Because it's not a great film at all, but I think you gotta, you know, if you got, if you like Lundgren and you like the charm of Lundgren and you like kind of the silliness of the seriousness of this movie, uh, I think you'll get, I think you'll get along with it just fine. Uh, I, I don't think it's uh, fantastic, but I think it's okay. That's really all I got to add. I really don't have much to add because you covered everything, literally, almost note for note uh, that I had. <laughs> so I think you brought up a good thing, Sammy, to say, you know, are we being maybe a little apologetic about this film? Maybe, but let's look at it in perspective. Like you said, it's a low-budget, modern, direct-to-video action movie. And if this is what the market is, then we could do a lot worse. Oh, yeah, I've seen much worse low-budget, straight-to-video action movies than this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Much worse. I think this is fun. I think the setting does okay. I think that it's in a rock concert kind of helps it a little bit. I mean, it's obviously very low budget. One location typically looks like they had a warehouse or something. Uh, I actually kind of smiled when the boiler room came onto screen because, you know, I'm, I'm always laughing, which is funny because I watched Terminator Salvation two weeks ago and the boiler, basically they just they re, rejiggered the uh, boiler room into a kind of a manufacturing plant for Terminators. So then you got the boiler room yes. again. <laughs> And I'm always I'm always concerned. I don't know what down here we have OSHA. I don't know if OSHA is a worldwide thing. I don't know if you have it up there, but I always wonder in these factories, these places people work. You know, there's like these open flames shooting all over the place. Who works in these fucking places? <laughs> Daredevils, apparently. <laughs> yes. So you know, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you always have these spouts of fire just going, you know, twenty feet in the air. It's like Jesus. <laughs> you know, yeah, I wouldn't want to be walking by with my coffee in hand at that moment. <laughs> yeah. It's like good morning. Yeah. <laughs> 
So whatever. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much all. I don't have a whole lot more to add to what you said. So I'll go ahead and let you do your MVTs and make or breaks. Okay, uh, make or break. The scenes with the sort of hard R splatter. Um, as I said, as much as I would have rather them been practical, the fact that they're there is is enough to satisfy me. Maybe not to thrill me, but it's enough to sate my bloodlust. Um, because we don't get to see very many action films with knots of blood and sort of nastiness. The MVT's got to be Dolph, uh, for me anyway, because, I mean, he's the actor, he's the director, he's the co-writer, and most importantly, he's the drummer. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Joe, a.k.a. Dolph, a.k.a. Joe, was my MVT. Uh, my score for the film is a 6 out of 10. Like I said, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to go in the hook it up. Uh, you know, there's some good stuff in it, especially for the budget. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we're pretty much on agreement on everything on this one. My make or break was the kills. It's basically like a slasher film almost, except you know who the slasher is. <laughs> yes. Uh, the uh, MVT is going to be Lundgren because he's all over this thing. It looks like a vanity project, which is fine. I can handle that. I'm totally fine with some vanity projects. And my score for the film is a 6 out of 10. So, Oh, wow. We're almost uh, completely agree- in agreement of everything on this film. So pretty amazing. Uh, again, not, uh, not a fantastic film, but uh, perfectly serviceable, I think, especially if you can – Watch it for free or anything. It's not. It's not like it's going to kill you. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd buy it. No, no. It's not to me. It's not a buy either. Yeah. So, all right. That is our review of Command Performance. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and do some Deadlock with Mario Adorf. We'll be back after this. Hi. Hello. My name is Ken and my name is Seth. We're the hosts of the Movies About Girls podcast. We'd like you to listen to our show because on our fiftieth episode, we're going to kill a guy. Until then, we're going to watch hardcore pornography and laugh at jerks. <laughs> so if you like tits and murder and gags and bitterness, then listen to the Movies About Girls podcast, the podcast for teenage losers of all ages. MoviesAboutGirls.com Well, there's a hundred thousand Frenchmen in New Orleans. In New Orleans, there are Frenchmen everywhere. But your house could burn down, all your babies could drown. Would none of them Frenchmen care? Everybody gather round, loosen up your suspenders, hunker down on the ground. Crack up. You are- All right, we are back. Uh, I'm glad I'm on vacation uh, shooting whiskey while I'm listening to that song there, so <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> glad I don't have to go to work. All right, so we have uh, our next film to cover, which is Deadlock from uh, I don't, uh, 1970, so directed by one Roland Click. You want to give a plot synopsis on this thing? Um, hmm. Well, there isn't one here, so I'll just go with the user comment. Uh, sort of a modern German version of the good, the bad, and the ugly. That hmm? describes it, yet does not describe it at all. Uh, this is a very bizarre uh, deconstructive or deconstruction of sort of the Western genre. Uh, it's a kraut Western or sauerkraut Western, if you will. Uh, it was one that was brought to my attention by good friend Hans after I told him about my love of Mario Adorf. So I picked it. We watched it. What did you think? Uh, well, I, that the bizarre word is the one thing you said that uh, really jumps out to mind. The movie starts slow, but we get uh, you know a nice setup uh, with a gangster, we think. A uh, briefcase full of cash, which are always uh, 
you know, good plot devices to get something rolling. We know something's taking place somewhere. Um, I really like the kind of slow opening and, and, and kind of spirit of the opening. Let me also add that nobody in this movie has ever heard of running water and taking a bath. These, or changing their clothes. <laughs> these characters are the filthiest characters I've seen since the proposition I watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. I mean, I've watched a lot of westerns, man. But these guys, uh, and this is not your your typical western. It's kind of a neo western type thing. But this, uh, these characters are filthy. The females, the males, everybody is just fucking filthy. <laughs> yeah, they're very and very dusty, grimy, just. Yeah, and I mean, they're out in the middle of nowhere, so you know, you kind of get to, you know, thanks that you know. You think to yourself, well, maybe they don't need to. I mean, there's not that many people around and stuff, but there's these odd, uh, I don't know, hookers, wife, daughter, uh, who, know, who knows what it is, but uh, I don't know. I mean, if they're hitting, if they're sleeping with these women or hitting them, as I was getting ready to say there in my cool gangster vernacular, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if they are, in fact, doing that, then uh, maybe they should uh, take a bath because these guys are fucking disgusting. Uh it's 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 a spaghetti western in tone and spirit a lot and a little bit of influence and stuff. But to say it's a German spaghetti western would I think if if people end up buying this or checking it out, I think they're going to be a little kind of perplexed at what that means because it does have western elements. You get the character of Sunshine, definitely the man in black type thing. Uh, you don't really have a hero. You know, you got the black hat, but you don't really have the white hat. You know what I mean? I think you have really to me three gray hats. Yeah. Well, actually, I, well, I'd say Sunshine's a very black hat, but maybe that's just uh, me. Well, maybe in spots. Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe his hat's a little darker than than a Kid or Dump. But um, <laughs> these are these are great names: Sunshine, Kid, and Dump. <laughs> yes, uh, Dump is probably the most glamorous name in the history of cinema. <laughs> yes, Mister Dump. <laughs> Doesn't matter which way you cut it, whether you're talking about garbage or dropping a deuce. Either way, it's just not good. <laughs> Mario Oridorf plays a character named Dump. <laughs> yes, and he, he's about the same color as that most most of the movie because he's never clean. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> uh, Anthony Dawson, Mario Oridorf, these are kind of character actors that we've seen in other films and whatnot. I'm trying to think what else I've seen Anthony Dawson in, but I know I've seen him in quite a few other things. He's got a great face. He plays Sunshine. Um... Adorf, of course, we know he has a great face, and he's really, you know, he's throwing himself like he does. He's throwing himself to the, you know, to the the whim of the camera here. I mean, he just goes nuts in this movie and in some spots, and he's got a, he's a pretty great character though. And it's obvious to me that he's performing in English. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that or not, but it seems to me like he's performing in English because I see a lot of him. I don't know if that's his real voice because I doubt it, but it seems like he was actually saying the English words. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know he was fluent in English, Italian, um, German. French, I think, because he's part Swiss. Um, I don't know if it was his voice or not. If it was, he's got a fantastic voice. And if it was not his voice, then whoever voiced him over has a fantastic voice. Yeah, it's very deep. I should. I wish I had some samples of it. You're looking for sunshine. It's like a really deep, gritty, gravelly. Now I'm, I'm guessing these women. Like, I'm guessing they're prostitutes, or like this kind of for like a train that comes through or something. Uh, it's not really very clear if it's a if it's Adorf's wife and daughter or if they're just prostitutes or. I thought it was his wife and daughter, Sammy. I never once got the prostitute vibe. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. I don't know what the hell they are. I, I just got. I got lost in it. But this, the 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 older lady is very Lynchian, 
and yes. very bizarre and like a John Waters slash David Lynch kind of way. And, you know, of course, she, she whips her, her breast out at some point when she's running toward a car. Very bizarre, man. But D- Dylan, take note. <laughs> yes. I actually wrote that down here. This film is made for Dylan. Uh, <laughs> we got the gilf running through here with the uh, the makeup and the tits out. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, to each their own. <laughs> now I got to check my maturedaily.net. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, I mean I like those scenes though because they are so bizarre. And and this really comes up I mean the film in a lot of ways feels like a dream sequence within a dream sequence. It's really it's really got kind of this strange kind of uh kind of abstract feel to it. There is a story uh about a briefcase full of cash and that truck is fantastic. I love that truck. I also love the truck. And you nailed it I think when you said Lynch. It's almost like if Alex Cox and David Lynch their love child made a western. Yeah, yeah, and and it's, and again, it's not the typical western. There's no horses. There is a cowboy hat and some guns and stuff, but there's no horses or anything like that that I can recall. And uh, well, unless you count the old lady running toward the camera. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the it's 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 very much this kind of a bizarre kind of avant garde almost in a way film. It's weird though because it's not really a true art film because it does have a plot you can follow through. It just feels like it's got some really weird, uh, some weird uh, kind of flourishes to it that that are hard to to understand. It's almost got like a well, the vehicles and stuff. And this is I don't know if you got this vibe either, but there's a salesman that rides through, and of course you know you got the truck and everything. But everything almost kind of has a you know if you if you kind of walked into it not knowing what was going on in the beginning, you'd almost feel like it's a. Hopefully you can hear me say that. I just heard the only thing I heard was hopefully you can hear me say that. <laughs> okay, good. Either way, um, I did. I did feel like it had a post-apocalyptic feel. I felt like the vehicles were kind of like Bad Max inspired. Uh, they were. They were kind of great. And if you didn't know it was a take on the western, you would think it was this kind of post-apocalyptic movie. If you kind of came in uh, through the through like the midway point and stuff, but it's just really odd. I mean, the film is really odd to look at. It's really odd to watch. I don't know if it's because of. Uh, because it's shot, you know, in German or by a German or or what, but it's just it's just got a really weird feel to it. I will say that it's it's one of the strangest films I've ever seen that actually tells a coherent story. It's not just visual or abstract like some of the films we see out there. Uh, it's very much uh, it's got a just a, a coherent plot that follows through, but visually it's just so fucking odd and so fucking weird, and and I can't get past that in some ways and stuff and. At some point in my review, I'm thinking, you know, I love it because it's it's so weird and different. And then I sometimes got angry with it because it's so weird and different. And I don't know if that makes any sense to you or not. But to, yeah, me, it does. to me, that's how I felt. I felt like, you know, sometimes I was like, wow, that's a really cool touch. And that's really odd. And, you know, wow, Mario Ardorff, see, he's even dirtier now than he was 10 minutes ago. You know, but and then other moments I was just like so irritated because I was like, okay, well, just, just follow through with this, man. Just keep going. And then it just kind of goes somewhere else, and uh, you know these people live in. <laughs> Adorf's got this like like hut, uh, like this house. It looks like like an old gas station or something. And these windows are wide open. It doesn't seem like uh, the bed is filthy. Uh, nobody like I said, nobody takes a shower, so everybody's laying in these beds. I mean, he brings his gangster in, and puts him on his bed to take care of him and stuff. And he's bleeding all over the place, sweating all over the place, and then he just gets right in the bed afterwards. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, we're friends, but if I found you on on the side of the road. And you were all bloodied up and sweaty and dirty, and I put you in my bed, and then I made you get out of my bed so I could lay in my bed. I'm not laying in that bed after you just fucking dirtied up my bed. 
I would wash my sheets first. <laughs> yes. But they can't wash their sheets because they can't even wash themselves. This place is, this place is filthy. So then I would sleep on the couch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anywhere. I'd sleep in that damn truck. Any, anywhere. <laughs> uh, or I'd sleep with the women. It's like, you know, they, it's just really weird. That's where I think I must have got the prostitute thing from because he never he's never really with the women. Adorf isn't. You know what I mean? Not in a very, very clearly defined way. No. Yeah, I mean, he's they're always like in another house or in another part of the the little town he's got, which is like three buildings. There's like a little hut. There's like this little factory looking like building with like a fire escape where people stand on the stairs just because it looks cool and uh, set on the stairs and whatnot. And you know, there's that kind of stuff. And then there's like the hut that uh, Adorf lives in. And then there's this truck that's constantly driving in and out of this town. And the only outside character you really get, the only outside characters you really get is Sunshine and the guy that sells the goods. In this kind of a uh, old station wagon, which there's a really great shot when they uh, they shoot this old station wagon, which I don't think is a, a spoiler or anything. So I'm gonna go ahead and say it. that that's that was really fantastic. That uh, the thing with the station wagon that has all the goods on it. But uh, oh yeah, it, it's really it's really just one of the most bizarre films I've ever watched, and I, that's saying a lot. I watch a lot of movies, and this is definitely one of the more bizarre ones. And I don't know. It's not like it's not like a Racerhead or you know one of these films that you see that you know becomes a cult movie because they're bizarre. It it's it's just it it well first of all it's probably not readily available which makes it a problem. It, but it's probably one of the reasons why it's not a cult movie and it doesn't really have a superstar in it. I mean you have to be a pretty big film buff to know who Mario Adorf is at this point and uh, and understand the kind of cult like following he has. Uh, but if it was readily available, I can almost see this being a cult classic in a way because. I've never quite seen anything like it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't, no, you're right. I can't really compare it to anything. It's not comparable to anything I can think of off the top of my head. I can see where they get the good, the bad, the ugly thing. And I can see the spaghetti western influences and stuff. But I can't really compare it to anything, really. It's almost it's almost got a film noir feel, too. It's very weird. Like a very bright film noir. But it almost has that feel to it a little bit. A film soleil, which means sunshine in, in French. <laughs> nice. It's a film soleil. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, but it was, it was just a really odd experience. And I'm going to recommend it mostly on the fact that I would say that most people have never seen anything like this. Uh, that's, that's the best recommendation I can give. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. And I've watched God knows how. Hello? Hello. There you are. Okay. I, I quit doing flick chart because of all the... Uh, all the craziness of how many hours and months and years of my life I was about. I didn't want to see that anymore. So, <laughs> But that's uh, pretty much all I got to say about Deadlock. I mean, it's just unlike anything I've ever seen, I think. I'm going to make uh, just sort of speed things up for us. If I cut out and you can't hear me for more than a couple seconds, just send me a little Skype uh, instant message. Copy that. Okay. Um, so you, that was all your notes you said, right? Yes. Okay, uh, so I'll go over mine. Uh, first things first, uh, this film is available from Cinema Day Bazaar. Uh, they have a really nice print from what I would imagine is French TV. Because I think it's uh, it's dubbed in English, but the subtitles are French, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. Um, this film has a look unlike any other uh, Western of sorts I've ever seen um, it's very dusty, but not only is it very dusty, it's also very rocky. It's this dusty, rocky kind of climate that, you know, very barren. It's got to be the most barren landscape I've ever seen in a film. I mean, and that's saying something. <laughs> it really is. There's nothing there. Nothing grows. Nothing. It's just like it's shot in like a, like a, like a salt mine or something. It's like there's nothing anywhere. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to film a post-apocalyptic West uh, movie, go to the Israeli desert. <laughs> Evidently. Because that's where this was filmed. Uh, really interesting to look at. Like I said, because normally you get the, the endless sort of sand or desert, but when you get those unforgiving, hot, dry rocks, it just adds to just the feeling, the rough feel of it. Um, this film's got a really interesting score by a Croat rock band I'd never heard of called Can. Uh, you're more of a rock guy than I am. Have you heard of them? Uh, I know more music than I like to admit sometimes, but I've never heard of this one, no. Yeah, so I don't know if they were just sort of uh, big in in their motherland, but interesting score. I mean, I, I, some of it worked, some of it didn't. I really liked the clanging uh, theme song that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I thought that worked pretty well. Um, we talk about this being sort of a neo-Western, and I think definitely it's Leone influenced uh, with some of the extreme close-ups that you get in the film. Yeah, you get the extreme close-ups, the nice sweaty-looking uh, dudes. I mean, uh, Anthony Dawson looks uh, pretty fantastic in it. I mean, he... Definitely has the – he's more of the stereotypical Western kind of looking character. Uh, he's menacing right from the start. His character does some odd things, but he's very interesting uh, to watch. Yeah, and this film really – I think what it is for me, the biggest thing about this film is that it's consistently defying our expectations of Westerns and of films of its type. Um Time and time again, you expect characters to do one thing. They do the opposite. You expect this to happen. It goes the opposite way. And right down to the fact that the credits in this film, which were laid over the the film, they were black credits. And it sounds like a trivial or, or minute enough thing, but I don't remember seeing black credits in a film. Do you? Uh, not off the top of my head. I'm sure there's something I've seen that has black credits, but it is a good point you make. I mean, I even thought to myself when I was watching, I was like, why are these credits black? Something wrong with my TV? Yeah. Yeah, no kidding, man. Um, the film opens up, uh, you know, sort of like No Country for Old Men with Llewellyn, except Adorf's character is infinitely more dirty, grimy, and seedier. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, nobody in the movie is, uh, is um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Nobody in the movie is is pure. No. There's no way that, that everybody in this film is, is, is dirty in some way. And I guess that's where you get the, and not only physically, but also in, in, in spirit. I mean, I guess that's where you get the good, the bad, the ugly kind of. I can see that the more I think about the movie, but of course, you know, that's the last movie that this reminds me of in a weird way. That's weird, yeah, because it's the first one it reminds me of. It's sort of like the bizarre European arty cousin. I don't know. The thing (laughs) that, for me, solidified the fact that this absolutely is is a a neo-Western or deconstruction of the genre is you get this on top of uh, the perched on top of the the gas station. There's this statue of uh, sort of a very Roy Rogers looking uh, cowboy, and the statue's arm is broken and it's just kind of waving. It's almost like it's like this broken cowboy perched atop of the building. And I just I love that uh, that shot. Yeah, like that uh, that famous kind of neon sign in Las Vegas of the cowboy. Yes, kind of looks yes. like that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that really said everything that this film was to me, that they were just going to break the conventional mold of the cowboy and and, and deconstruct it. Um, there's a great quote in the film that I think a lot of times characters never think of in films if shit was to hit the fan, which it does in this film. Adorf says to Kid, who comes sort of want, drags his ass into town with the cash, and Adorf says to him, you're right, nobody is going to look for you here. And you have to think, that's a good thing, but in Kid's case, it turned out to be a bad thing, too, because... You know, no one's going to know to look for you where you are. So it, it just interesting, I guess, something very simple that I never really thought of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kid, it should be said, looks sort of. I, I couldn't quite place it at first. Doesn't he look like a young Mick Jagger? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, he looks totally like a young Mick Jagger. Uh, he's got the full lips and everything. I mean, he really does look like Mick Jagger. I thought about it myself. I mean, they could have put Mick Jagger in there, and I wouldn't even have noticed the difference. If they could have had like both of them there, I would have thought it was the same person because he looks that much like Mick Jagger. Oh, yeah, he really does. Um, we've talked about this, but I want to further hammer it home. I love how worn out and tattered and dirty everything is in this film, whether it's the screens and the, the, the doors, whether it's a piano, a truck, clothes, everything has layers of dirt caked onto it. Yes, everything is filthy. Everything. Everything is filthy in this film. Um, the cleanest thing in this film is the old lady's boobs. And they're not clean at all. I would not suckle on that for anything. Um, uh, there's Again, there's a cinematic convention that you would expect to play one way with Kid and Sunshine because Sunshine's the last to come into this little wasteland town. You expect it to go one way and our, or sort of it doesn't go that way. And this is sort of one of many cinematic or Western conventions that's broken. Um, there's a great scene with a character being chased down in this rusted out truck. And it, again, we just see nothing but rock and dust in the landscape. And this truck is so rusted out. It's bleaker than anything I've ever seen in a spaghetti western in terms of landscape. And the scene is, is accentuated or sort of the exclamation point on it is the blood on the dust, dusty front end of the truck that looked absolutely amazing. Agreed. The The weird thing about that <clears throat> excuse me that scene is that again it went somewhere i totally didn't expect it to go i mean you we you said this a couple of times now i mean it's almost like the filmmakers thought you know hey let's look at a bunch of westerns let's look at a bunch of films and let's do the exact opposite of what everybody does mm-hmm. it almost feels like that it almost feels like an exercise in the exact opposite of everything that that a conventional story would tell you or at least a conventional american story that I'm familiar with, which is typically the Western, which is all the spaghetti Western was, was just a, you know, the Italians take on, you know, American tales of some sort, which is where, you know, you, you get some interesting aspects when you get other countries doing that. But, uh, unlike, you know, command performance where we had a European, uh, making a film and, and kind of being lost in a time that doesn't exist anymore. This one feels like it exists in kind of like this timeless world where it was kind of created on film, this kind of timeless, strange world because no year is ever established that I'm aware of. It, no, it, no. I mean, you're right. It almost exists in like this own universe of its own. I mean, it's like this created universe. So I kind of like that they did that because any real, the only outside source that really comes in is occasionally you'll see the train. Uh, but the thing is that train's not a passenger train. It just looks like a, uh, you know, like a mineral shipping train or like a material train of some sort. It doesn't, you never see any like passenger trains. I never saw one anyway. No, the only thing, the only outsider is Enzo who's coming in and his car to give everyone an, an image. You know, when you see those pictures in India of people riding the train? Yes. That's how his car looks. I mean, it's just stacked like Jenga. It's going to just topple any moment, all this stuff on top of it. Um, but, you know, you just brought up a very interesting point that I don't think – well, I hadn't made the connection anyway. Command Performance is a very American genre of film done by a European. Deadlock is a very – the most, perhaps the most American film genre done by a European. Uh-huh. And These are two of the most American genres done by European filmmakers. Yes, and it's really weird because this one, I mean, Command Formers goes for the cliches, and this one goes the complete opposite way. Yeah, so I just, I never even thought of that, and we just picked these seemingly at random. Mm, I know. 
very interesting. My last note is sort of a line that I think sort of summarizes the whole film. Um, one character says to another, hey, right as the film's ending, hey, you forgot to kill me. And uh, the response is, I'll leave my gun here so you can do it yourself. Yeah. That just summarizes the film to me. I love that line because it just, that's it really. I mean, you know, you would expect the character to shoot the other one and take off, but he's just, here's the gun, do it yourself. It just, it really, you know, <laughs> succinctly puts the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it totally does. I mean, it's a great line too. There, This film is full of uh, pretty good lines throughout. I mean, there are some some moments of dialogue where it's pretty pretty uh it seems like it's, there's nothing important going on but you got to really listen to the dialogue and i don't really want to get in, i don't want to get into my detail i had some notes on dialogue and stuff but i don't want to give it away because i believe there's some foreshadowing to what happens to certain characters in the dialogue and some of the interactions they have so i didn't yes. wa- i didn't want to go into that because i was afraid it might give away the plot for any of those who are interested in, in viewing the film without it being spoiled for them so Okay. That's it. Let's uh, all right. Let's do make or breaks. All right, uh, my make or break for the film is the tone. Uh, I've just never. I've, I I just don't. I couldn't wrap my head around this film for the longest time while I was watching it, and it wasn't like with some films where you can't wrap your head around. You just don't like this one. I, I enjoyed the whole time while I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was just like befuddled by the uh, sheer craziness of the movie. Because really, in a lot of ways, as much as some stuff don't happen in the doesn't happen in the movie, it's amazing how just fucking bizarre. Some of the choices are, so I'm going to have to go with the tone. My MBT is going to be Adorf. I, I think he's the best thing in the movie. He's a, Again, he's like a tornado. He just kind of comes in, and if there's dust on the ground, he kind of sweeps it all up and just kind of takes it off like the fucking Tasmanian devil in the cartoons, you know? <laughs> That's exactly what he reminds me of, man. He's like this whirlwind, you know? Like, wow, 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 you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of comes in and does this craziness, and then he's just kind of gone again. And then he, he'll be totally still one minute, and then totally out of control the next minute, you know? So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love that about his uh, his uh, his acting and stuff. And But he's totally convincing in the movie, and I bet all of them was just, were just dying to have a shower. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> There's no way they couldn't have been, but uh, yeah. My score for the film is going to be a 7.5 out of 10. I didn't score it real high, but I think this is a movie I'm going to ba- go back and revisit more and more, and I think I can score it higher the more I revisit it because – it's just so weird, man. I mean, I've seen some, like I said, I've seen some weird movies, but this one's, this one's definitely in the upper echelon of weird movies as far as tone goes and whatnot. I mean, this is fucking odd. <laughs> but I enjoyed, I, right. I enjoyed its oddness. So seven point five out of ten. Okay, uh, I want to echo your sentiment. I think there's some people that are going to watch this at first and they're not going to like it. They're going to think, "What the fuck's this?" These guys were going on about how it was so good and it's really a dull, dry turd. But I think. The more I'm almost glad that we had an extra week to kind of chew on this film um, because I think it is a strange film and it's not for everyone. I think that the more you think about it and its images and its defying logic, the more you appreciate that. So let me say that uh, up front. Um, my make or break is the scene with the truck. This is where we see the manipulation of certain characters come full circle mm-hmm. um, because you don't know who's manipulating who throughout the film, uh, which I don't think we really touched on much. Um, uh, my MVT is just the deconstruction, the skillful deconstruction of the Western setting and the conventions therein. Um, like I said, it, at first it almost maddens you to think, well, that's stupid. He wouldn't do that or, you know, whatever. But it it, it somehow works when you've had a chance to sort of mull it over. Um, I could have went with Adorf, like you said, very appropriately he is sort of like this whirling dervish the sort of tasmanian <laughs> devil yes 
Um, and his his sort of body type is much like the Tasmanian devil. Yeah, well, even, even down to the jaw, he even looks like him in the face. If you used to put some fangs on the bottom and have give him a mass, <laughs> give him a massive underbite, you know. And yeah, I always yeah, remember the Tasmanian devil with the. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I know Bill's going to take that and pair it up with the. Uh, uh, possibly. <laughs> Um, my, my score for the film is the exact same as yours, a 7.5 out of 10. It's a very interesting film that I think may improve itself upon repeated viewings. If not, it's, it's an interesting, uh, spiritual cousin to the Western. I think that they're, uh, you know what, doing this review and stuff, I think that, uh, talking about it, I think I've had some other thoughts about what it might be trying to say, almost like a, uh, uh, like a no man's land of what's that? Uh, oh yeah, purgatory. There's you know purgatory and stuff. I feel I feel like there's almost like some religious statements in there too. But uh, I don't really want to go into it today because I want to watch the film again before I start making those kind of statements. But uh, I think you know what I mean a little bit. There's, I, I know I know what you mean, and that's a very accurate thing. This does feel much like purgatory because it's a very much a morally like a moral quagmire for everyone in the film. Um, that's a good. That's that's true. Very true. Yeah. yeah. All right, so that is our review for Deadlock. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with some feedback. So we'll be back right after this. What's up, everybody? This is Bill from Outside the Cinema, and I'm sitting here with the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. How are you, Arnold? Good morning. Thank you for taking the time to join me. We were just talking about how much you enjoy Outside the Cinema. Is that correct? Yeah. It's your favorite show, right? Yeah. So if you were going to choose one podcast to listen to, it would be Outside the Cinema, wouldn't it? Come on. Don't bullshit me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop it. You don't need to be like that. Stop whining. I'm not whining. Whatever your name is, get ready for the big surprise oh enough of this who are you what you just heard was the reason why outside the cinema doesn't do pre-recorded bits because they do them terribly but if you like horror exploitation cult and underground cinema believe it or not though they put together a pretty good show so head over to www.outsidethecinema.com and take a listen to the show today Another sleepy, dusty, delta day I was out chopping cotton And my brother was bailing hay yeah. And then dinner time We stopped and walked back to the house to eat yeah. And mama hollered at the back door Y'all remember, don't wipe them dirty feet She said, I got some news this morning from Choctaw Ridge, yeah. This morning, Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Well, Papa said to Mama as he passed around them black eyes. All right, some good stuff there. Welcome to Feedback, and... Uh... As uh, any good person would say during feedback, make sure you wipe your dirty feet before you come into our feedback <laughs> section. <laughs> nice. I love it. You, you know, I was sitting on that track for a long time because I was going to, uh, in fact, a bunch of the, the tracks I sent you this week were ones that I was going to use for my episode of Diabolical Radio. But oh, nice. I finally sort of put that to bed and figured to, uh, Hello. Yo, I'm here. <laughs> Sorry, I just keep hearing this dead air. I don't know if. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's cut. It's cutting in and out over there too. So I don't know what's going on. 
Um, should we just hang up and call each other back? Or <laughs> no? Um, let's keep rolling. I think we'll see. What Is it storm? You said it was storming over there. Yeah, it's been rainy, not snowy. Uh, rainy for the past few days. Hmm. Yeah, I think we'll be okay. I think uh, let's just try. It. Let's just try. It. Let's jump into some email, and if it keeps cutting out, I'll recall you. Okay, let's do it. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay, before I forget, actually, I want to wish uh, very, very, very good friends of the show, Vishnu and Dr. J, uh, very happy belated birthdays. Yes, yes. You would have done that last week, but you had some connection issues last week, and uh, so, yeah. Yes, and I wanted to get out with Vish on Friday night, but I was working, you know, one of my usual... Yeah. 14-hour shifts, and I had to turn around and do it again, so I didn't get a chance to get out and see him. So, Vish, um, happy, happy, happy birthday. You are the weekend warrior. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to thank Aaron. I didn't get a chance to last week. He'd sent us this very awesome picture of this leather aviator handlebar mustache wearing tag team from the early 80s from WWE. <laughs> I didn't know who it was, uh, and thankfully Piccoloaf did, as we thought he would. It was the Mod Squad, I guess. Um, <laughs> it was an awesome picture that Aaron had sent and said, I don't know why, but when I see this, I think of you guys. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's either sweet or insulting. I can't figure out which, but uh, I'll, yes. take it, I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> yes, as will I. Um, and, uh, yeah, so let's get into some emails here. Uh, the first one is from Francis, and this might be the greatest title of an email ever directed towards us. The title is, The Two Hottest Men in Podcasting. That is definitely a comment, a compliment, and I will take it. <laughs> As will I. So, uh, hello gentlemen, this is Fran, also known as Frangelic on both Twitter and the Pop Syndicate forums. I don't get to write in nearly as often as I would like, or even keep up with the shows most of the time, because, well, life is busy. Um, I'm currently working on catching up again, and as I listened to a few OTC casts and a few of yours, I had to comment. I heard attack after attack after attack on the loving relationship you gentlemen have with one another. <laughs> I felt it prudent to comment that anyone who feels the constant need to call people homos must not be very comfortable in their own sexuality. Mm. I know it's all in jest, but it does make me wonder a little bit about Bill and Chris. Hmm. Mm. Besides, as long as your wives are okay with it, and and of they weren't, and if they weren't, they wouldn't have let you meet in person, right? It's nobody's business but y'all's. Nothing wrong with a strong bromance and the ability to appreciate the other men that other men are attractive. Yeah, okay, you guys focus on sweaty men more than women sometimes, but it's the nature of the movies you cover. Exactly, uh, it's the nature of the movies you guys cover. It's not exactly your fault. Yes. Friend. All I got to say about the Bill and Chris comment is, hmm. <laughs> As Freedom Williams would say, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah, she she gets it. I mean, I think if anybody, uh, it's funny. Bill was actually watching a, a movie uh, a couple nights ago, maybe four or five nights ago. No, actually, I think it was Friday night, Thursday night, something like that, called uh, Deadly Prey. Uh, it looks like it's an 80s action, low budget, maybe maybe Italian. You lose me? Uh, I thought I did. I, after you said maybe Italian. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a great feedback session. There's going to be a lot of people here to say, are you there? Are you there? I know. Uh, uh, anyway, he was watching this movie, and he kept sending me screenshots and everything else, and this thing looked like maybe the <laughs> most homoerotic movie ever made. So 
Uh, I'll have to check into this thing. But, uh, yeah, you know, people get it. They know. They understand. Uh, I actually heard Paul over at Chinstroker versus Punter say he wanted to thank the GGMTMC, GGTMC for ruining Rocky Three for him. <laughs> Who said that? Paul over at uh, Chinstroker versus Punter because he, he was watching it, and he was wondering why when they were running on the beach, why do they have to give us close-ups of their thighs? <laughs> And that, and why are they shirtless? I think actually one of them is wearing terry cloth short shorts, <laughs> yellow no less. I believe that's good old Rock himself. Yeah. And uh, I think Carl Weathers is wearing these like pull up sort of uh, wool saw. I don't know. It, it just it is like we said very. Well, it is true. There there is no need to have a close up of the glistening thighs of both Carl Weathers and Stallone. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. But you know, hey, that's eighty cinema, buddy. Yes. Yes, this is true. Which is kind of weird uh, when you think about it. The cruising kicked off at kind of 80s, and you know, then the 80s became what it became. Yeah, no, it's true. It became a little more subversive, but it was still there. Yes. Um, well, as for, as for uh, Bill, I like to call him Colonel Frank Fitz. Of course, <laughs> Colonel Fitz is uh, Chris Cooper from American Beauty. All macho camacho on the surface, but uh, yeah. hiding a deep, deadly, dark secret <laughs> below the surface. Yes. <laughs> um, did you want me to just keep reading them? Or? Uh, no, I can, I can read one for you. I'll give you a okay. little break here. Cool. Let's see what we got here. Doc Zom, the one and only. Uh, okay, this week's opinion poll is, this is from Dr. Zom, is Uma Thurman hot? I remember when she first started and she was so young and innocent but had these incredible breast assists. Hmm. Now she is older, still very exotic, but seriously, I'm not sure I could do, be with a chick who had hands and feet as big as mine. <laughs> I would like to put Ethan Hawke in a sleeper hold and make him piss and shit in his pants. He screwed around on Beatrice Kiddo, and she was pregnant. Then the little crybaby goes to the magazine and cries about how sorry he was and how he messed things up. Asshole. Shave your face, you little fuck. <laughs> Reality Bites was 15 years ago. You're almost 40 fucking years old. Goddamn little douche has the most pathetic mustache and goatee I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm going to go watch my breakfast with Blassie. To calm me down, Ethan Hawke wishes he had a quarter of the class of the Hollywood fashion plate Freddie Blassie. <laughs> the king of men, rest in peace, Mr. Blassie and Andy Kaufman. Zom, out. <laughs> Classy Freddie Blassie. <laughs> yes. You pencil neck geek. Yep. <laughs> uh, is Uma Thurman hot? I'm going to answer this quite simply. Uh, yes. Um, I will say yes. I, I will. I will agree with the hands and feet comment, though it's a little off-putting. Um, because I, I like feet. Actually, feet are one of my favorite things on a woman. And when they show her feet and Kill Bill, it, it just—I <laughs> don't know, man. It, not very nice. But um, she is hot, uh, and Ethan Hawke is a douchebag um, for what he did. Especially since I've been married uh, with a child, I've become a lot, a lot more conservative about. Um, infidelity. Uh, I find that you know it's something you should take very seriously. And this isn't that kind of show, but since we're sort of on the topic, it just really bothers me in retrospect what he did, especially when your wife's pregnant. Man, I mean, come on. Yeah, good old Ethan. Good old Ethan. My captain, but, your uh, captain, black captain, blah blah. Yes. That's right. Yeah, that's really all we. That's really all we got to say there. <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh, the next one has a great title as well. It's Iron Mike Terminator <laughs> from The Loaf. Yes. Uh, Loaf says, I'm sitting here writing my first review for the Korean biopic, uh, Riki Dozan, and listening to the feedback from this week with Zom's email about Canada's greatest athlete. 
I thought that was Gretzky, but apparently it's uh, Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that this comes up now. As Ricky Dozan's first televised match in Japan was a tag match versus Iron Mike's dad, Mike Sharp, and his uncle, Ben Sharp. So Zom, I'm doing the, two, the little two-finger pointing to my eyes and then to yours thing. Oh, nice. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength right now in some strange way. And about Esky's voicemail about Terminator versus Terminator 2 a couple of weeks back, he was complaining that much of T2 was just scenes that had already appeared in Terminator. I really don't think that's fair criticism. T2 was smart because after seven years passes between the films, it was at the same time a remake with a bigger budget and a sequel. Cameron wasn't being cheap by using some similar scenes, but I think putting it there as a wink to the fans of the first film. T2 was released a year or two after the first. Uh, if it had have been, I would have empathized more with the complaint. I'm not a Cameron apologist. I could give a fuck about pretty much anything he's worked on since T2. I do like Terminator better than Terminator 2, as T2 felt more like a standard action flick than Terminator. But T2 was still pretty fantastic in what it did. Sorry, Esky. No two fingers pointing to my eyes and then to yours for you this time. <laughs> and lastly, the head's voicemail about cruising made me think of the film Corel with Franco Nero playing a homosexual Navy lieutenant. Have you guys seen it? And what are your thoughts? If so, later, fellas. Loaf. I have not seen that movie. I need to see that movie. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I have not seen that movie. I need to see that movie. It'll be interesting to see that one. As long as as uh, Mr. Nero doesn't play it over the top, we should be okay. Because as much as I love him, sometimes he really <laughs> he can chew it up with Pacino. He can run with. Uh, yeah, he can be a bit broad. <laughs> yeah, but if he can if he can keep it moderately subtle, <laughs> yes. then uh, I think we might have something here. Uh, yes, good old Iron Mike Sharp, the finger-pointing thing. Yes, I remember that now. I'll tell you what, Loaf is a regular encyclopedia. Him, between him and Zom, we got a regular encyclopedia of uh, wrestling knowledge. I'm confident that um, if we had a wrestler, because you and I had said when we got that, that uh, picture from him, and both of us, truthfully, we're pretty big wrestling fans, but yes. when we got that picture, we said, you know what? If Loaf, if we don't know this, certainly Zom and or Loaf will know this. Sure, so we went sure. to the loaf, and, and he got it. So, mm-hmm. good stuff. It's good to know we have that in our back pocket, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next uh, email is from Henry. Uh, he sends ones uh, titled "Rooting for the Underbowl." Nice. Uh, hey there, gents. Want to commend you on reviewing a Uwe Bowl film and then his career, and not take the route uh, of shit bashing like so many others. I've seen a number of his movies, and I do love House of the Dead for its comedic appeal. I'm sorry, Bowl, but at least you know it's true. Hence, House of the Dead, the funny version on DVD. To me, Bowl always comes off as a guy that is really trying to make a great film, except for the torturous seed, but just doesn't have the talent to back his producing magic and sheer enthusiasm. I would put him on the same shit plateau as someone like Ed Wood. They both embody the spirit of, who gives a fuck, I want to make a movie because I love it, but doesn't have the skills of competent storytelling, character arcs, proper editing, etc. I do think Bowl is heads above... Many filmmakers who get a free pass because they make shitty made-for-sci-fi creature features that nobody cares about anyways. I'm excited for Rampage because of the good buzz around it, and what can I say? I root for the underdog. I want to also chime in and say that Punisher Warzone is my favorite out of the three, despite Dolph's portrayal as my favorite. Uh, brooding and a burnt-out shell of a man. Warzone has a balls-to-the-wall action with amazing set design and very cool uh, cinematography. I always describe to my friends as Dick Tracy meets New Rambo. That's a pretty good description. That's an amazing description. As a big fan of the comic, I find it weird that that, uh, they have yet to make the definitive Punisher movie. It is one of the highest grossing characters in the Marvel world, and it is the the most down-to-earth. 
Also, I have to say that the remake of House of Last Doesn't Left was better, in my opinion, than the original. Blasphemy? I think not. The original is a very important film in the horror genre, but it is not actually a good film. The film has tonal flaws, the cops, really, and has a very amateurish, I can't even speak this morning, nature to it. Amateurish. Uh, I, had to try to say it again. I had to try to say it again just to make sure I can speak properly. Uh, besides a few truly inspired shot scenes, the movie ultimately is only mediocre, but like I said, it is a vastly important film to the genre. It launched both Wes Craven and Sean Cunningham's career, who both went on to, well, you know, you guys know, I should say. And it was part of the holy trinity of the 70s indie horror that separated the genre from just kids' fair to much darker and deeper waters. But I think Texas Chainsaw was a much better film as something that created a true universe it was just too bizarre to ignore and too fucked up to let slide. Night of the Living Dead, which I include since it made its audience years after its release, was also the first and probably scariest, as well as it having a real message and theme behind it. Last House broke ground. It was mean and nasty in a way most weren't, and its flaws are overshadowed by its triumphs. But it is still flawed and very dated. The remake, which is nothing great, had much better acting than it should have. Both metal leads were rock solid. And I thought it improved on the discovery by the parents in the rape scene much like the original, was very brutal and hard to watch. It was not there to be tantalizing, like many claimed, but, on, but was only but it was truly as horrible as the act itself. The violence was brutal, like the original, and somewhat realistic, except for the microwave thing, which was just fucking ridiculous. Uh, basically, the remake was a better film, while the original was the vastly more important film, so there you go. To wrap up a surprisingly long email, I just want to recommend I Drink Your Blood by David E. Durston, a crazy little 70s horror gem that a group of satanic, about a group of satanic hippies who get infected with rabies after a local boy poisons them, and all hell, all hell breaks loose. Uh, your friend in filth, Henry, from the Dirty Jurors. It's like he put a link on here, but it doesn't have a title. It just has a YouTube title, so I don't know if I can say it on... I mean, I don't know saying it on the air is not going to do any good. <laughs> uh, we might want to put that on the board or something. I don't know. He says, P.S. I'm going to plug my own shit here, so there's a link to a trailer of a short I made last year. So It's like he's got a short he made. I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, as as will I, and yeah, maybe putting it on the boards uh, yeah. would be a good thing. Maybe Henry, uh, you should uh, put that on the board, maybe, buddy. I don't know if he's a member of the boards or not. I don't know. So, if he's not, join up. Plug so, your shit there. Yeah, plug it. Thoughts on uh, the original Last on the List? I've said before that I love the film. I believe it is terribly flawed. Uh, I still think it's one of my favorite films from the seventies, but I, I I like it because it is so just kind of messed up and wrong and. Not just because of the violence and the the kind of harshness of some scenes, but because it's it's one of those kind of movies that just <laughs> I, I don't even I don't even know how it got made or, or how it became what it became. It's just fucked up. So <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I like it. it. It's not just the cops; it's the music too. I mean, it's just like what the fuck. So <laughs> you know, it's a what the fuck movie to me. Yeah, that's a pretty apt description. Uh, I, I to me, that movie is sort of like the Jerry Quarry to Texas Chainsaw's uh, Muhammad Ali. It's mm-hmm. It's good. It just doesn't quite cut it when you stack, no pun intended, with Corey being cut easily. Uh, it just it doesn't quite stack up uh, to TCM. Um, I think the Last House remake, I wanted to hate it, much like you did, much like a lot of people did, but it was pretty nasty. Um, and yeah, I think just the thing with the cops and the original is what really threw it off. It, it is very uneven in tone and gets sort of that... <laughs> like that kind of sped up uh, moment with the cops and it, it, it and it's Martin Cove, which is kind of awesome. But yeah, it just it, it is a bit of a messy film. It's important and the rape is very uncomfortable, which it should be. Um, but some of the stuff afterwards uh, isn't isn't so good. But yeah, again, I just want to say I commend him on that uh, that Dick Tracy meets New Rambo thing for Warzone. That's so perfect. 
Um, besides that, Tuve Bowl. I actually like House of the Dead too, which I've told you a few times, Sammy. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun, as terrible as it is. It's 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 got that Emmanuel Vonier in it. She's I think she's French Canadian with a name like that. She's in she's in Far Cry as well. Yeah, she's uh, she's Foxy. So actually, she's in a lot of Bowl's films. She's Bowl's muse. She she's uh, she's to Bowl what Anna Karina was to Godard. Because <laughs> I can't hear you. You there? You got it? Uh, yes, I'm here now. Wow. I heard you the whole time. <laughs> Wicked. You, that you said you lost me. <laughs> My voice went high there like uh, like that that pimply teenager in The Simpsons from when I'm like, and I lost you. <laughs> it's funny because on this end, uh, everything's running pretty smoothly, but on that end, it's like it's all kind of dodgy and stuff. I guess this must be the weather up there. Oh, the beavers are trying to seek solace from the rain, so they're chewing into... Phone lines getting deep, deep, deep in the ground. I thought that uh, for a while there, instead of saying Anna Karina, you were going to say Anna Sprinkles, the uh, <laughs> famous porn star from the seventies. So. Yeah, got to keep, got to, got to keep the porn star love alive on the show. Yeah, we do, <laughs> we do. All right, hang on one second. Let's get some voicemails going here. Got a few. Uh, let's see here. Let me get one on here. Take a second. Our show has become very professional today during the bad weather. <laughs> Should be Rupert when it comes in. Everything's running slow and exciting. Here we go. Hey, Jens, Rupert. Um, Sammy, real quick. I'll probably call back. But um, as far as these guys goes, I, you know, my Netflix rating probably doesn't represent <clears throat> how I feel about the movie. I, I, I like it okay. Um, I will say, however, I've seen it about three... I think at least three times, and I have to admit, the first time I saw it, I really was just knocked out by it. Saw it in the theater, and you know the opening shot and all the camera work was just really—I really got caught up in that. And then upon um, return viewings, um, that faded a little bit, and I think I—I I just sort of saw this story for sort of weaker story that it is ultimately, um, but. But I don't know. I need to revisit it. It's been a while since I've seen it. Um, so I will go back to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's all right. It's all right. But uh, good to hear that you guys, and I, I should have figured you guys are both really big DePaul fans from the show. Like, I, you guys have definitely covered that at some point. But anyway, um, good stuff, gentlemen. Okay, bye. Again, I, I love you. You weren't even on the show, and uh, it's, it's like you were here. Nobody's even mentioned Miles' name. <laughs> Miles was channeling his inner Canadian, apparently. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I think uh, I was joking around Miles about uh, Netflix. Now, Netflix in, in the States, I don't know how it is on Zip, but we'll uh, talk about this on the air here a little bit. I think we might have talked about it off the air. But on uh, Netflix, you have a five-star rating thing, and you can kind of highlight it and click on, you know, one star is hated it, two star is didn't like it, three star is liked it, four star is really liked it, five star is loved it. And there's a lot of five stars on mine, but I don't think they're perfect films. But that would that would imply that you would think that maybe you think they are perfect films because you see a five out of five. But loving something and thinking something's a masterpiece is two different things. I fucking you know I mean I fucking love uh, I don't know fuck I'm trying to look at my DVD collection to find something. I love Equilibrium. There you go with Christian Bale. But I don't think it's a goddamn masterpiece. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I like it. Yeah. So I mean. But uh, well, I was joking around about that because he didn't like Snake Eyes as much as me, judging by his uh, rating there. Snake Eyes, the Brian De Palma, Nicolas Cage uh, 
it's a bit of a fiasco in some ways, but uh, it does have a great opening uh, and some great uh, De Palma-esque moments and a pretty wacky performance by Cage, which of course I always love. But it's not a, it's not a, it's not a great film. It's it's, just, uh, it's it's pretty good entertainment though. Yeah, no, it is. What film was he? Ref- was that the film he was referring to? Was he referring to Snake Eyes when he would first started out? I could didn't. I missed that part. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was kind of hard to understand what he was talking about. That's what he was talking about, Snake Eyes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No, it's serviceable. I mean, it doesn't reach the heights of other De Palmas, but that's the way it goes. It's a lesser De Palma. Yes, still not as bad as some of his more recent ventures. Yeah. All right, I think uh, Rupert called in again, so here we go. Hey, Jen, it's Rupert again. Uh, just listened to Rick, to you and Miles talk about Rock Hudson. Made me think about... Um, Finally, somebody mentioned Miles. <laughs> All right, hang on. For show shows, um, Listener Appreciation Month, uh, I called in and asked about maybe... Or maybe, You know, I don't know if I called in, but uh, I was <laughs> sort of asking Miles to watch seconds, and I'm wondering... Rick, if you get Rick, if you and Miles are fans of Seconds, uh, I think that's a great Rock Hudson movie. And um, also, had just called in the show show last week actually about Tarnished Angels, which I think is a great Rock Hudson movie. And additionally, uh, Pretty Maids All in a Row is another one I just thought of. Wondering again if if um, Rick, you or uh, Will are fans of Pretty Maids, definitely uh, sorely MIA on DVD. Uh, film, pretty nutty movie, but uh, one that I like. Um, anyway, just uh, Rock Hudson thought. And yeah, I, I agree. It's super cool that uh, Miles' dad got hit on by Rock Hudson. Uh, anyway. <laughs> nice. Everybody thinks it's cool that uh, Miles' dad got hit on by Rock Hudson, so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have seen Seconds. Have you seen Seconds? You know what? I haven't. Yes, I have seen it. That's a Frankenheimer film. Actually, I would probably think, I believe it's Frankenheimer. I think. Uh, it actually might be his best film, in my opinion. Um, it's uh, it's pretty amazing, actually. It's it's really really good. I really haven't brought it up the idea of covering it on this show because Miles has talked about it off and on, and I kind of just want to give that to them and let them cover it and whatnot. Uh, but if anybody hasn't seen it, they should definitely check it out. Uh, pretty Maids All in a Row is fucking bizarre. Uh, I have seen that. Have you seen that one? Nope, I haven't seen that either. I, again, I'm familiar with both films. I uh, just you know, haven't. Pretty Maids is kind of odd, so. <laughs> Definitely check that out when you get a chance. You'll be like, oh, what the hell? Actually, I think Pretty Maids might have kicked off the cheerleading uh, exploitation thing. I might be wrong about that, but I think I'm, I think I'm right. Pretty Maids on a row has a cast. It's great. I know that. And I know Lalo Schifrin did the music. I'm a pretty big Lalo Schifrin fan. Um, again, I, I, again, I believe I think it kicked off the cheerleading exploitation boom. I think it did. So, Oh, that's certainly something to hang your hat on. Uh, I actually haven't seen very many of Rock Hudson's films, to be honest. So uh, I'm certainly aware of him and his body of work, but well, no pun intended. Yeah, I was going to say uh, you're aware of him and his body, maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, he, no, he, I, he, I, he was quite the beefcake at one point in time. Yes, he was. But uh, yeah, he I mean he was pretty fantastic. He had a great look and everything else. I think he was underused, but unfortunately, he you know got uh, ill uh, right in his right, right when he really started looking great, like when he was doing a TV show here in the states. I can't believe what the, I can't remember what the TV show was called, but I used to watch it with my mother. My mom used to think he was the shit, you know. And then of course, when she found out he was homosexual, she was just like devastated. Uh, yeah, but I was like, mom, I, even at even at like that young age, I was like, mom, you know, you you, you know, most of the guys that you find attractive are probably homosexual in movies. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's the way it goes. But uh, he is what he is. I, I miss him. I, I think he. I think he. Uh, it's unfortunate he got sick because I think he could have had a great career in like uh, B movies and stuff because he had a great face. 
All right, next voicemail. Guardian's easy. Rock and roll is hard. All right, Dolph called in to let us know that dying is easy and rock and roll is hard. (laughs) 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 It was pretty awesome. (laughs) All right, next voicemail. Hey, James Blaine here. Um, So I popped Cruise in there this morning. Couldn't sleep, so I stuck it on the old Netflix instant watch, uh, which is a, a godsend and and... Um, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I loved it. You know, I hadn't seen it before. Uh, it was pretty hard to get a hold of um, until the recent the recent DVD came out there. You know, I thought Pacino was verging on unrecognizable. You know, I certainly found myself getting lost in his performance, um, which reminded me of a couple of other ones I've seen. If I was wondering if you've just seen it, um, the one with Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman, and uh, Pacino. And they're two sort of hobos, you know, uh, hitchhiking, riding the rails across America. Uh, I think it was called Scarecrow. That uh, was a really decent one. And I've always, I've always liked um, this performance in Carlito's Way. You know, I, I, I can watch that film over and over and still enjoy every second of it, especially Sean Penn and Viggo Mortensen in it, too. But back to cruising, you know, um, I love uh, Billy Freakin, you know, and like Sorcerer is certainly uh, one of my top ten films of all time, you know, and I really can't understand why it gets the bad rap that it does. Um, but with, I, I just love his uh, realism and, and the grittiness of his films, you know, and just the little nuances. You know, with Cruising, there was a couple of um, spots that, that really, you know, for me, you really added to the realism and uh, the, the, what is that? Sorry, the, the realism of the, of the film. So I liked the bit when he goes over to kiss on Karen Allen uh, and the toast pops up out of the toaster. And it's just that little thing. And then, you know, there's another part when he's drinking orange juice and he, he spills the orange juice. Um, and then the, the waitress in, in the restaurant, she spills the coffee as well. And I just think, you know, bits and pieces, you know, those, those things when they happen in films, you know, it adds to the, yeah, this is really happening rather than the, the, like if it's just pristine, perfect takes. Um, it works quite well in a lot of films, except the one that comes to mind is when Belloc eats the fly in Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, which really isn't realism at all, because if you ate a fly while you were talking to someone, you'd stop getting your tracks, and it would be... <laughs> so it'd be more like, Jones! Jones! Go ahead. Blow it up. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> So I also caught um, command performance. I'm looking forward to hearing what you what you say on that. Um, <laughs> a couple of things on that. I was wondering what type of teeny bopper um, chooses a band called Cheap Motherfuckers to to support her on her tour, uh, <laughs> which is quite amusing. Yeah. Also, the part where uh, Dolph is on his killing spree and he, he takes out a couple of the bad guys, and there's a big blood splurt all over his chest, and then. He meets the little singing princess girl uh, in the corridor, and the first thing he does is he grabs her and, and gives her a hug and pulls her right into his chest, <laughs> to where all the blood spotter would have been, but magically there's no blood splurted all over her face. Um, so, yeah, um, another bit of news, wondering if any of you have heard the new Herzog film. Um, it's being produced by David Lynch, uh, starring Michael Shannon, and it's a horror about this guy who uh, kills his mother with a with an antique saber, so that'll be interesting. So, 
Anyway, uh, keep up the good work. And just like to say, I too uh, agree with Scorny that uh, it would be really cool to hear you talk about um, new releases. You know, there's still genre stuff being made, but you know, I know you gave us a little um, sprinkling of what you can do when you talked about the, the films at TIFF. You know, so, you know, if they come up, you know, it would be, be interesting. So, happy days. Good care. Tara. All right. Good old Brian there. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, command performance, we will talk about. Uh, <laughs> he had a lot to talk about there. I'm trying to think of what else he had to talk about. Oh, yeah, freaking and uh, spilling of liquids, which is funny because he ended his email talking about sprinkling. So, uh, yeah, I guess in cruising there's a lot of spilling of liquids if you really think about it, <laughs> both bodily and non-bodily. <laughs> yes. Well, all bodily, just some <laughs> voluntarily and some not so voluntarily. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, you know, it's funny. Uh, he did say something that uh, kind of struck my mind when he was talking about the Carlos Way performance. Uh, you know, in that movie, again, uh, Pacino is subtle. I always think Pacino is a better actor when he's subtle. You know, I was just thinking that as well as you were, well, as Brian was saying that was, I thought to myself, that was the last good subtle performance Pacino did. Uh, it was it was one of the last ones. I know that. I mean, I, I know I liked him in uh, Nolan's Insomnia because I thought he was subtle in that as well. You, you, we are in the same wavelength because I swear to you, I'm not just saying this. As you were starting to say that, and I thought, well, Insomnia was good too. <laughs> yeah. But there, there. But this sucks. <laughs> Did you, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, he has so many performances that are out of control. It's, it's pretty crazy. So, uh, you know, but he is a good actor. It's just, uh, you know, like a lot of actors, he's easy to become, he's easily become a parody of himself. And oh, Scarecrow, he mentioned, I actually hunted down Scarecrow years ago and watched it. And it is a pretty good little movie. It's not bad. Uh, it's mostly good for the acting more than it is the directing, I think. But Hackman he, and Pacino, it's pretty good. Yeah, no, it is very good. I, I was completely unaware of it. I bought it blindly years ago as well. Um, well, at least three, four years ago. Uh, I like it as well. Uh, it is a good little film. Again, one of those ones that sort of falls under the radar that, you know, when you do some digging, you're like, oh, how, can I, how come I never heard of this? Um, what else did he mention? Do, 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 do. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank. Um, gosh, I can't remember uh, what else I wanted to say. Maybe you've covered it. Um, I do <laughs> want to thank Brian. Uh, I didn't get a chance to last week. Um, he'd thrown up some <laughs> some very cool designs for us. Um, <laughs> for some t-shirts um, must- and it's must- funny the mustache I, I shirt the mustache shirt there's some very 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 cool ones in there um, Brian I don't know if it's ever going to come to fruition but Sammy and I have, and I have to- toyed with the idea of t-shirts um, more in line with um, the iconography of the GGTMC than the actual name mm-hmm. uh, much like you did with the mustache sort of being synonymous with us or <laughs> You know, maybe a picture of Henry Silva's face, or it's just things like that. If it ever happens, who knows? But it's something we we we've been sort of toying with a little bit because who doesn't want to wear Henry Silva's face? Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, on casual Fridays. <laughs> um, and also, I want to thank him. He sent in something in regards to the um, the charitable work thing uh, that I I'd said if anyone did. Um, I'd allow them to pick a film for the holidays, and I was just blown away by the work he does uh, with children. And maybe he doesn't want the praise, and, and hopefully I'm not embarrassing him, um, but he certainly, sh- I'm sure he is, very proud of what he does. But he does wonderful work uh, for children in his community. So we need more people like Brian in the world. Yes, we do. More charitable movie lovers. All right. Next voicemail. 
what the... What's going on? What's up with this fax machine? What's up with this... This... This voicemail and faxes? <laughs> trying to throw me off the scent? Are you trying to throw me off the scent? Sammy. Because I am... I've got it. I got you. Uh, uh, I've got you. Deep. Oh. In my brain. <laughs> you not throw me off the scent. Sammy. Coming for you. <laughs> me coming for you. Sammy. Alright. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. Uh, Doc Zom. I, I think what happened was something must have reset the voicemails, uh, the voicemail service out in uh, Seattle out there because I noticed I called some other shows too and there's hardly any uh, messages on there now. Now you just hear the, the fax, leave a fax or voicemail after the tone and you don't hear the personalized message. So I got to figure out how to reset that thing because, of course, there's a password that I said a year ago that I don't fucking remember because <laughs> I'm notorious for that kind of behavior. Like, oh, yeah, I'll just make a password up off the top. No, I won't write it down. I'll always remember it. Nah, whatever. Uh, that never happens. But, uh, yeah, so if you guys call our voicemail, you won't hear me on it anymore. You'll just hear the fax thing right now. Uh, I'll see if I can get that fixed, but it, it is our voicemail still. So as you can see, you got the voicemail through. So, uh, yes, I guess Doc Zom wasn't very happy about that. So he re replied by sending back another voicemail. So here we go. Gentlemen, um, I was just uh, listening to the um, podcast which was, you build up a lot of anticipation with them, and I'll tell you that. Um, Uwe Boll. Uh, you know, I watched the uh, trailer for Far Cry. I uh, actually bought the game, but my computer is so old and shitty that it won't play it. So until I get a new computer, I'm going to have to take a, take a little you know, sabbatical from playing that game. Um, I watched two trailers, and one of them was in German, and the other one was in English. And I remember Sammy saying about uh, Hugo Stiglitz, you know, and the way he talked and everything. And I was wondering, you know, if that the movie would actually, if it actually takes away from the movie you know, the, the English version of it, uh, and maybe even if it would be better and his voice would seem less, you know, whatever Sammy said, uh, if, if if you watched it in, in German and, you know, just read the subtitles. Uh, I can't go without uh, talking about Mr. Bowl without thinking of either Large William or Sammy or both um, boxing. Uwe Bowl, you know, getting in there and going at it. Uh, you know, Sammy seemed like he he wasn't really you know slamming him or anything. So you know, I don't know. I uh, I just think it would be quite the quite the event. So you guys get in there and have a little mono a mono action, naked. Whoa. Anyway, uh, other than that, I watched. Uh, this is you know trying to get the rest of the shit in quick because I tend to 
fucking just ramble on here. Uh, watched Terminator Salvation. I thought it was good, you know, for everybody that really, you know, shit all over it or whatever, or was saying, you know, this and that. I heard it was boring. I heard it was too slow. I heard it was too long. I heard Christian Bale was just doing a, you know, Christian Bale, and he's falling into this thing where he does the, the Batman thing all the time, you know, and, you know, and all that shit. But honest to God, I thought Christian Bale was great. Uh, I like the fact that he wasn't really, you know, the this huge focal. You know, you would think Christian Bale he would be the the, the, the really the focus, the main guy. Da da da. And I liked the, the Marcus character, and you know, I thought it was pretty entertaining. And the one chicken, it was pretty goddamn hot too. Uh, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed her uh, physicality. Uh, good uh, special effects, and uh, you know there was a couple of moments in there. I almost wish it was on the IMAX and it was in 3D because there was some shit coming at the screen, and I know people would have been ducking. Oh, oh god, I'm just about fucking puked in my mouth. <laughs> um, and lastly, Large William uh, uh, brought a uh, posed a uh, little question to me, which was uh, Claudia Cardinale. Uh, Anna Karina or Angie Dickinson because he chubbed up watching uh, Angie Dickinson and John Wayne. Uh, I gotta tell you, I probably thought about this a little too much as usual, but uh, I see Claudia. Uh, I'll go through each one of them real quick here. Claudia Cardinale, I said, you know, she would be the kind of person that she and I would have this explosive, violent passionate love affair. We'd be like Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor would be married like seven times. The cops would get called because we'd smack each other around and shit like that because she's got <laughs> a fiery fucking, you know, temper and all this and that and everything. Uh, Anna Karina is just, she's, I can't even, I can't even go like in a real like, you know, fucking this GG TMC, you know, pervert kind of angle on this because she's so you know she just is so good looking in a way that I don't even want to besmirch her beauty with you know my usual fucking scumbag self um Angie Dickinson um you know honest to god I could go either way with her I could you know tie her up and beat that ass or you know uh, see me and her sitting on a fucking ranch somewhere and, you know, raising our little babies. And I even came up with the names of, of who Angie Dickinson and I would, would our kids. Uh, we'd the, There would be three sons. One of them would be little Kurt Russell, little Jan Michael Vincent, and little Joe Don Baker. And we'd also have a little blonde-haired uh, uh, daughter that would be little Linda Evans. Nice. But anyway, all this shit, um, I gotta tell you, I just see myself ripping Claudia Cardinale's fucking blouse and telling her to go get me a drink of water. And when she hears a sound, hit the ground. So I gotta go with her. She's about the fucking most beautiful woman uh, on the planet. Uh, so anyway, I babble and I digress and uh, all that shit. Uh, so, all right, guys, have a have a good one. Enjoy, and if that boxing match ever comes about, I'll be there. I'll second you. I'll be your cut man. I'll rub you down. You know, rub what? the rub the you know soreness out. All what? that stuff. Huh? Get her done. Zom-
<laughs> All right. <laughs> Good old dog Zom. Um, yeah, boxing match naked, I don't know. Don't think I'm a fan so much. Uh, <laughs> that would be uncomfortable, especially if you're going to be my cut man. I don't understand what that's for. Are you there, Will? Uh, I was just saying that I wouldn't do it naked, but I'd box him if I if I got to wear a banana hammock. I'd, I'd be kind of worried about the uh, zombie and my cut man if I'm naked. I don't know what kind of fight this turns out to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the nude uh, nude fight with cut man uh, it just all sounds very barbaric and strange and odd. And very yes. homoerotic, of course. Yes, and yet oddly appealing. <laughs> no, uh, I tell you what, uh, I would not fight Uwe Boll because it, uh, from what I can see and what I know, he uh, he can box a little bit. <laughs> I'd need a year to train, then I would do it. Yeah, uh, he, he he just seems to me like he'd be pretty tough because he's got a very square jaw and a very a very he don't have a big neck. I mean, he don't have much neck, so I'm thinking that he'd be pretty hard to take down. Uwe's Uwe's a pretty tough dude, man. I mean, you got to be tough. You make movies, he makes. <laughs> Yes, you got to be a pretty tough guy because you got to be able to take the uh, the punishment. Uh, I'm going to have to make sure that in the opening I mention that the feedback section is a bit dodgy <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah. All right, and we'll see if we can fix stuff off the air. All right, uh, next voicemail. And thanks, Tom. Uh, Claudia Cardinal, not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. I like the names of his kids too: little Kurt Russell, little Jan Michael Vincent, and little Joe Don Baker. <laughs> Those are good. With a little Linda Evans mixed in. <laughs> And yes, um, thank you for the uh, the choice and the explanation as such. <laughs> All right, next voicemail. Hey, gentlemen, it's Emily, and I wanted to start uh, just by saying thank you for still putting out a show and everything else when it was clearly a uh, a busier week last week, and we'll have some internet issues. But I, it was very <laughs> things must be very busy for you, I assume, right now, and you guys still put out a fine show. So thank you to you guys and Miles for that. Um, next part I have to say is. Um, Sammy and Dr. Zom, I don't know what's in the bourbon and moonshine you guys are drinking down there, but <laughs> stop trying to spread the word that Hulk was a good film. <laughs> it was painful. It was, ugh, it was so damn moody and miserable and just everything about it, if you had to describe it in one word, it would be mopey with special effects that I think do not hold up to... Theaters to sleigh bells, okay? Just, it's not fun to watch, so don't try to make Will watch it. We like Will. Will, don't watch it. <laughs> we don't want to start a war with Canada over making them watch really bad studio films. Um, I, it gets me very worked up, because I, I hate when a really, I don't know, I guess when a really good filmmaker has no idea what to do with money, and then just makes something that's not enjoyable in the least to sit through. If you're going to make a bad film, make it bad, but make it bad where you can watch it 10 years later and enjoy it there's nothing enjoyable about oh god it's all sorry let's get worked up over that because it, <laughs> it makes me angry okay goodbye <laughs> good old emily yet though we're just gonna at this point emily i think we're just gonna have to agree that we disagree on the hulk uh, angly hulk film me you and uh me and zom agree that we both like it and you do not but that is okay I am totally fine with that. I understand that. It is not possibly the greatest film. Uh, it is what it is. And will you watch it at your own leisure? 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 <laughs> I will. I just got to commend. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. Okay, good. It's turning into the fucking Verizon cast. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> I want to commend Emily, or not commend, I want to say I sort of smile as 
you know, Emily's a very cool customer and she actually sounded worked up there. So <laughs> yeah, she, she must feel very strongly about the Ang Lee film. Yeah, she doesn't like it, uh, which is fine. <clears throat> you know, it, it is what it is. I don't think it's for everybody. All right. Next voicemail. Hi there, gents. It's uh, Dangerous Jamie here. Just uh, giving you a quick call to talk about uh, Command Performance. I guess you reviewed it today. Um, I've just bought a mic, so you'll probably be hearing my voice a nice. whole bunch all over OTC and you guys and probably a shit ton of other podcasts too, which is pretty good. Um, so yeah, I wanted to talk about Command Performance because I saw it this week and um, I prob- I'm probably just going to echo like a bunch of shit that you guys said in your epic sprawling review <laughs> so Dolph Lundgren co-wrote this movie what the hell is with that like and the the scenes of him drumming are like the the worst things like so out of sync and poor and just just Jesus bad movie was absolute piece of shit I cannot <laughs> state that enough I hated it it was awful um, like I'm supposed to believe that this sexy young techno tween twilight thing wants to have sex with a haggard old Dolph and his fucking face that looks like a horror movie like all calcium deficient and bulging oh it's friggin horrible awful awful and the CGI blood like made me sick like how could they not just use a bit of fake blood in there I think every bit of blood in the whole movie was CGI it just looked so bad, like, you wouldn't even believe. It was just awful. And, like, I don't understand if corn syrup is really so expensive. Can they not just chuck a bit of <laughs> corn syrup around? Is that not what we do these days? Jesus. Um, what, like, why are a, a rock band, and albeit a fairly lame rock band, opening for a <laughs> pop act? I don't understand that. Um, there was a shot where uh, Dolph hit some dude with a with a guitar and it like showed it from four angles that was pretty good actually that was probably the highlight of the movie for me um, yeah and everything was just awful it was just a terrible dog turd of a movie and just Jesus Ugh. Uh, thanks a lot guys I guess I'll speak to you another time and uh, keep up the awesome work bye alright that was Jamie uh, oh, is, the baby, is the baby noise coming from your end uh, yes that is William <laughs> okay I was wondering I was like is Jamie you got a baby too uh, <laughs> I was like wow he's got a baby there uh, alright a um, couple things yeah I can see where you'd think it was a dog turd of a movie but uh I, I, as, as we record this, we haven't really talked about the movie with each other yet, so I can't really comment too much on it, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens when we get there. But, uh, yeah, it's good to hear his voice. Uh, good old, uh, you know, good old English voice there. Nice. To, I've been talking to him on the Twitter quite a bit, so I know he's around about and a, bit, and a good fan of the show, so it's good to hear him. Hopefully we'll hear more from him. Yeah, it's nice to, to know that we're, we've got a pretty strong British uh, listenership, so that's that's good. Yeah, which is really good, considering we butcher the English language at, at almost every chance we get, so... Yes. <laughs> I think that is it for voicemail, though. Good, sir. Okay, good. <laughs> I think that is the last one. I'll double-check while you're getting ready to go. Th- yeah, that is the last one. We are good to go. Feedback is in the books. 
Okay, so uh, let me know when I can start rolling through yeah, everything here. Go ahead. And if I cut you off, it's not because I'm being rude, it's because I couldn't hear you. Yeah. I'll just preface that. I don't know if you were saying something. No. Okay. Uh, so, as always, there are some shows that need to be mentioned. Uh, our sister show, Outside the Cinema. Uh, what are they covering next week, Sammy? Uh, I wish I knew, but uh, me and Bill, we've, <laughs> we joke this around is- of- yeah, we joke around about this. Uh, we meant to do this every week, and uh, of course, both of us have dropped the ball two weeks in a row. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, this this is yeah become a debacle. They're they're co- <laughs> they're covering something, and it's uh it's one of the video nasties. It's two of the video nasties. I don't know what they are though. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, uh, check out NOTLP. Certainly check out Show Show with our good good friend and uh, backup man uh, Miles. Uh, in fact, check out all the Pop Syndicate shows. Uh, they all need our support. Uh, Chinstrobe versus Punter, Better in the Dark. Cinerama, Action Attraction, um, <clears throat> in terms of blogs, there's Deadly Dolls, host.blogspot.com, uh, Chuck Norris Ate My Baby.blogspot.com, Pickleloaf.blogspot.com, The Lightning Bugs Lair, Naked Eskimo.blogspot.com, Heaven's Trash with a Z for Zebra, uh, blogspot.com, and of course Hans's blog, This Is Quite Cool.blogspot.com. Um, you can check us out, uh, check us out. Wow. Uh, you can go to cinema-de-bizarre for all your hard to find genre needs. Uh, as always, we pick a film every other week from there and they're always available there. If you put in the 10% promo code, gentlemen, it will save you even more money. Vote for us on podcast alley. Leave us iTunes reviews, friend us both on Facebook. Uh, also I forget to mention this. I got to rewrite this. So it's all compartmentalize better Aaron's blog deathrattle13.blogspot.com and last but certainly not least check out Paris Cinema Magazine from our dear dear friends Dylan and Christine at paracinema.net nice alright so that is the show for this week uh, do you know what you're covering next week I most certainly do it's one I've wanted to see for a very long time but I've sat on because um, I wanted to save it for the show and that is Clint Eastwood's directorial debut, Play Misty for Me. Nice, nice, nice choice. I like it. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, on my end, we're going to finally cover uh, Park Chan-wook's uh, Thirst. We're going to uh, get that one in the books because uh, you haven't seen it, and I've been wanting to talk about it forever, so we're just going to cover it and just do it, and there we go. <laughs> and we're already calling it. The next episode will be called Play Thirsty for Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very easy one there. Yes. <laughs> All right. So that will be next week's show. We are, uh, I say we're done. So uh, I guess I'll say adios. Oh, before I say adios, okay. uh, go back and listen to the song at the end of last episode again. Yes. You haven't yes. gotten a winner yet. I'll give you guys a very quick hint before I say adios. Um, the film that it is in is an Italian film that is a remake slash ripoff of an American exploitation film. Uh, the star is the same and plays the same role in the American and the Italian version. Um, and it's directed by one of the most notorious horror directors or genre directors in Italian cinema. Yes, uh, I, could give a, I could give a hint right now that we completely give it away, but I'll just tell you off the air what I w- would say, but I'm not going to say. I'll give it one more week and then I'll give it that hint. Okay, and uh, on that I will say adios. There you go. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Adios. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. yourself.